Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily and happy home opener, Bomber fans. Cannot wait to get out to IG Field tonight to see the Bombers get back at it against Bo Levi Mitchell and the Hamilton Tiger Cats. We'll chop it up with the guy that'll be calling the game, my pal and lockshop partner, Dustin Nielsen, who's in town tonight. He'll be... Uh, He'll be having the call on TSN tonight, but uh, I think uh, most of us, myself, and I know a lot of you in chat are going to be in the stadium tonight watching the Bombers begin the season of unfinished business against the Hamilton Tiger Cats. We'll certainly talk Bombers. We'll uh, give you a little update on how our Canadians are doing out at the RBC Canadian Open as well and our Breezy Bend Golf Report a little bit later on. But, of course, I think you know what the main topic today on the program is outside of the Bomber home opener, and that is the latest news and developments on Dubois Drama Season 2. Uh, of course, towards the end of yesterday's program, <clears throat> we uh, got the report from The Athletic from Arpin Basu and Marc-Antoine Godin that Pat Brisson, Pierre-Luc Dubois, are going to provide the Winnipeg Jets with a list of five to six teams. And the plan is for an eight-year contract extension in a sign-and-trade similar to Matthew Kachuk did last year with the Calgary Flames before being shipped to the Florida Panthers. Uh, Calgary Flames to the Florida Panthers. So we're going to be all over this. And we will have Arpin Basu join us from the scouting combine in Buffalo coming up with our first segment today. After that... I know Ken Weeb was just on Jeff Merrick earlier. He's been uh, ear to the ground and speaking with some of the insiders on his side of things with the Sportsnet team, including Elliot Friedman. So we'll get Ken's take on all of this, and then we'll get ready for kickoff tonight with Dustin Nielsen. Just before we get going, welcome to everyone listening on the podcast. Thanks for making us a part of your day. Don't forget, you can always find us on YouTube live at 1 o'clock p.m. Central each and every day. And for everyone that's with us here on YouTube right now, hit that thumbs up button. Make sure you're subscribed. And wherever you get your favorite audio podcast, pop in Winnipeg Sports Talk and make sure you're subscribed. So if you do miss the show live on YouTube, you can always listen to the audio feed in the late afternoon right after we finish the show. Just before we bring in Michael Remus, got to thank the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. Of course, our friends at Breezy Bend, Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge, and Little Brown Jug, which you can grab a 1919 at the game tonight now. BP, Royal Sports, Consolidated Supply, Princess Auto, Nick and Nicky DQ, F Apparel, Wallace and Wallace, Vita Health Fresh Market, Canadian Club, Manitoba Battery, Aquatech, Modern Men Barbershop, the Winnipeg Gold Eyes were at home all weekend, and our friends at Assiniboia Downs. And of course, our partners at CoolBet. Uh, if you have missed the news, we've been mentioning this the last few days. Cannot wait to get to Nashville, Tennessee in a few weeks for the NHL draft. Should be a big, big week for the league and especially the Winnipeg Jets. And we will be live from Nashville all week beginning on Monday, June 26th with WST at the NHL draft presented by our partners at Kubet. Can't thank them enough for the additional support to make this all happen. All right, let's get to it. Welcome everyone in chat. Michael Remus, get in here and let's get this Friday show on the road. Obviously, it's Friday. I don't even need to remind you all that there will be a marble race at the end of today's show. What's cracking? Yeah, lots to get to here. I'm excited. One bomber home opener, and I'm seeing people in chat saying, you know, what's a 
with this all this drama we're talking about. Let's get to the home opener. We're excited about that. The CFL kickoff was yesterday. Really enjoyed BC Calgary and also Stanley Cup final. Uh, I'll have to take an L. I said the series was over. Uh, Matthew Kachuk said no, tying it up late. And we officially have a series. There will be game five. Uh, so it was nice, nice in Florida. Although it seems like all the teams, you know, there's a lot of transactions going on. You know, we got this Dubois rumors flying around. Got a couple trades and signings this week. So we even had another. I know I'm kind of going on and on. We had another signing today with Damon Severson being what traded to Columbus, his rights from New Jersey, and then he signed with them. So I feel like the NHL offseason is kind of started, even though the Stanley Cup final is going. Well, I, I, listen, the, this is a big week for general managers to get together with agents. Uh, and that's, I think, a big reason why we got the reporting that we did yesterday from Arpin and Marc-Antoine Godin, um, you know, with the general managers and agents all being together in Buffalo uh, before the official part of the scouting combine gets going. Um, and, and you're right. I mean, there has been a couple more moves than we usually expect during the Stanley Cup final. I imagine the majority of these will happen at the conclusion of the series. Um, but it's quite clear when it comes to the Winnipeg Jets that there are plenty of conversations going on right now with all interested parties, the the representation of Pierre-Luc Dubois in Pat Brisson, Kevin Sheveldayoff, as well as other NHL general managers. And we will get to that in just a minute. But let's talk about that game quickly right off the bat. I mean, you mentioned it. A lot of people, not just you, Ruben, would sort of written the Panthers off after the way they lost those first two games. But you know what they say? No one's out of it until you lose at home. Um, but they absolutely needed that. And listen, five minutes left in that game, it sort of looked like Vegas was going to put a stranglehold and get within one. But that late tying goal changed everything. Matthew Kachuk making things happen again after being absolutely railroaded by Keegan Colasar earlier in the game. Um, he toughed it out. Surprise, I thought maybe he might have to you know, leave the game and not return due to a concussion protocol. That wasn't the case. And then what can you say about Carter Verhage, man? What a player he's turned out to be. Uh, he gets the winner, and the Panthers have life. And uh, we got a series. We have a series, Hustler. And we were about to say a lot of the same stuff that we've been saying. Oh, the Panthers special teams, their power play look brutal. 0 for 5. Golden Knights able to take advantage of their opportunities. Uh, 2 for 6. The Panthers, what, Montour uh, showing off the baby swag there, uh, scoring for the first time in a while to get them off the board or get them on the board. And uh, Matthew Kachuk, you know, injured, comes back and ties it up. But Sergei Bobrovsky was back to being uh, pre-game one and two, Bob. Uh, 25 of 27, 926 save percentage, uh, making the saves when when they needed him to. And uh, this is kind of how you know how the Panthers have been. They got outshot 27, 23. But uh, Matthew Kachuk in the post-game interview said it was the gutsiest win ever. I think he's referring to what his own injury. And Maurice did confirm it was pulled for a concussion protocol. Although they did show him testing his shoulder on the bench and Montour hurt as well. And just how they stay with Jesus and Maurice Jim, they stayed in the fight us. And there he was at the end, oh. tapping it, tapping it in. Did they ever in. stay in the fight? <laughs> and I know some people on the panel, like Kevin Bieksa wouldn't stop talking about how he was booking flights, booking flights there in the last three minutes. But uh, we have a game five. They're going, going back to Vegas. 
it, it always cracked me up that the play the people that cover the uh, the league and the series, especially if they've been on the playoffs the entire time, especially the TV people, are always just hoping for a sweep. Like well, they just want to be done with it. And <laughs> I mean, it's kind of funny because, of course, this should be the culmination, the ultimate series of the entire year. But I think it speaks to how long the regular season is and how long the playoffs is that a lot of people are ready to go. That being said, another great game last night. I mean, very, very tight between both two clubs. And the Vegas Golden Knights got the, uh, you know, were in position to take that commanding 3-0 lead. Uh, but credit to the Panthers. And I have to say, listen, the Panthers still have a long ways to go to really get back in this series uh, and give them an opportunity to win the Cup. But they do have something special going on, Remo, and they are now 7-0 and in overtime over the course of the Stanley Cup playoffs. And shades of the 93 Habs that went 10-0 and with Patrick Waugh in the net in overtime and obviously ended up winning the Cup right now. So uh, they're pretty damn good if they could just get to the 60-minute uh, mark and not lose. And they did it again last night when they absolutely needed it. Yeah, and the schedule's uh, shaping up nice. We got game, what, the next game on, I'm assuming, Saturday uh, coming up here. What is, is that is that accurate? Saturday? I'm I'm uh, full on in, in CFL mode. But, yeah, well, uh, and, and Dubois drama mode, uh, of and course. And Dubois drama. I mean, it's taken a back burner. Yeah, tomorrow. Tomorrow's 7 o'clock it, for it the Knights and Panthers. Tonight, actually, there is game, uh, uh, game four between the Heat and the Nuggets. If you're following the... Uh, NBA series, but uh, let's face it. Right now, here in Winnipeg, there's two topics. There's bomber kickoff, and there is Dubois drama. And uh, I believe we have an updated logo now, Remo. Let's uh, let's show yeah. everyone what you've done. Yeah, so yesterday we just had the regular logo, and I was like, no, 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 that's not good enough. We need a 3D animated spinning Dubois drama logo. So here it is. It's spinning. It's in 3D. It's animated, way better than just a normal logo. Huh? So we had to we had to pump it up a little bit. So this is awesome. Here we go. <laughs> well, you know, with the amount of content opportunities that uh, Dubois and Pat Brisson have supplied to us here on uh, Winnipeg Sports Talk, it was only right we stepped up the Dubois drama and uh, made it even cooler for the 2023 <laughs> edition. I mean, we had the Dubois drama 2022. And now that we're running it back again, uh, you know, we needed to step it up a little bit. So uh, looking very, very good. Uh, and, uh, of course, listen, I mean, I kind of touched on this right off the hop. Um, and Arpon Basu is going to come on with us and kind of give uh, us the latest on what he's hearing and reporting. Um, but I have to say, Reem, that, and, and again, we'll see how this all shakes out. I don't think anything is definitive and, I know Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick poured a little bit of cold water on some of this, saying, listen, it's still Montreal and then everybody else. But I have to say, just the fact that it's reported that the plan is for Dubois to get the eight-year extension, huge for the Winnipeg Jets. You would think that that increases the value. And listen, if it was Mon- if it's Montreal and just Montreal, Kevin Chevalier was basically in the exact same situation he was with Jacob Trouba. Now, I think he made out quite well considering the situation, but you don't want to be in that situation. And if it is in fact the case that Dubois 
and Pat Brisson will give the Winnipeg Jets five to six teams that he's willing to sign that long-term extension. Certainly does give the Winnipeg Jets a few more options, although threading the needle between the teams that he's willing to go to and re-sign with and making the deal that makes sense for the Winnipeg Jets is going to take a lot of work. And, I mean, I don't think this gets solved immediately. If anything, I think it probably could drag on, uh, well, right up until draft week in Nashville, that being said, all signs point to Dubois being elsewhere by the time we get to the 1st of July. Yeah, it better, better drag on to the draft. We need something to talk about from now until uh, June 24. Um, well, we're you know keeping an eye on all the rumors coming out every single day, and it was nice um, that that report in The Athletic came out saying, hey, he's actually interested in going to not just the Canadians, but a number of teams. And if it was a contender, he would even consider taking less money uh, and you know look he said he wanted to start his contract demands at nine million a year i don't think he's gonna worth that worth be worth that but look you start high and maybe you meet in the middle somewhere so i'm curious how this is gonna play out but it's pretty safe to say Hus, that i think july 1 is the timeline and it'll be it'll be done deal uh by then so you know keep keeping our ear here on what's going on yeah, uh, and as I said, we'll have plenty of time to talk about this today with Arpin Basu coming up from The Athletic in our first segment and then our weekly visit from one Ken Weeb and Weeb's world himself. So we will get to that just in a couple of minutes, but I don't want to gloss over. Dusty's going to join us a little later on to talk about this game. But I got to tell you, Remo, this is going to be awesome tonight. Uh, I talked to a ton of folks last night when I was out, uh, just about everybody I know is going to be heading down to IG Field tonight. And, you know, we had that great preseason game on a hot night last Friday. It's not going to be as hot tonight, but it still should be perfect in around 23, 24 for kickoff tonight. Hopefully the rain will stay away. A little bit of rain the last little bit. But the bottom line is this is an unbelievable matchup to me. The main event of week one in the Canadian Football League, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, three-time defending Western Division champs and coming off that heartbreak in last year's Grey Cup, going up against Orlando Steinhauer's Hamilton Tiger Cats with Bo Levi Mitchell as the quarterback in black and gold. What a way to kick off the season here in the peg. Yeah, and you look at um, you know you look at the odds or the over-under totals, and this game is the highest total of the week. The odds makers expecting the most points scored, although I, it was at 50. It's at 47 uh, right now. That is more than Ottawa, Montreal, Saskatchewan, Edmonton, not interested. And I think Bo Levi, he's got to be fired up after last night's opener with Calgary and BC, his replacement, Jake Mayer. And I always want to call him Jeffrey Mayer from the kid who caught the uh, what the Tony Tarasco ball. This is going back back a long time ago now. But, I, but anyways, Jake Mayer, I thought he was going to be the guy because I don't think Bo had looked out particularly great last couple of years. You know, his yardage total wasn't up there. Um, he was throwing a lot of interceptions. He just wasn't the same guy. And Mayer, uh, I thought he looked pretty rough yesterday. And, and speaking of debuts, I know it wasn't his debut in a BC Lions uniform, but it was his first game as the starter with Nathan Rourke going, going to the NFL. Vernon Adams Jr. Uh, looked like a different guy. Now, he did throw an interception, but that had been a problem for him for a while where you know he's doing a lot of turnovers, but he could also make the big play, and he was definitely... Uh, big play VA yesterday, 270 yards, two touchdowns, both to Dominic Rimes, who had 100 yards receiving. That is a big body uh, receiver. So 
I don't think I don't think BC is as good. You know, one game overreaction. BC is still pretty good, but you know, no Nathan Rourke and Calgary, man. I don't know. It could be a long year. They've been so good for so long, but there's kind of on the back uh, downslide here. So this is this is the Bombers. <laughs> Division to win here, the West. Well, and, and, and let's face it. I mean, Jake Mayer stunk last night. I mean, he wasn't very good. The Calgary offense wasn't very good. Um, you know, defensively, they were fine. But, I mean, they just did not get it. And, and, you know, and I do wonder. I mean, we know what type of a dude Bo Levi Mitchell is. He doesn't mind the spotlight. He's pretty brash. He is not short on confidence at all. You wonder what Bo was thinking when he saw Jake Mayer, the guy that they chose over him, struggle the way that he did last night. And listen, the Bombers are going to need to be ready because I think Hamilton's added a lot of talent to their team in the offseason. And we know that Bo Levi Mitchell is, sorry, is coming into this game and this season with a massive chip on his shoulder and I don't think he would love anything more than to blow up tonight, have a great game in the toughest place to play in the CFL against arguably the odds-on Grey Cup favorite um, and remind everybody in Calgary that he still does have some gas left in the tank and maybe, just maybe, Huff and Dickinson made the wrong decision in moving on from a guy that had been so good for them for so long. Yeah, just looking at the stat line from yesterday, 20 of 36. 154 yards, a touchdown, an interception. Kadeem Carey, uh, the running back, he did get hurt. So we'll see what happens. But I don't think I don't know if Calgary is the Calgary we've seen, and the Bombers have a chance to make a statement here tonight. No, Kenny Lawler. I'm expecting a big game. Hus Dalton Schoen, rookie of the year. He's coming back uh, for year two. We'll see how that goes, and we all are excited to see. You know, in his absence, Carlton Agudosi. Step up. I remember the Agudosi game against Calgary. Yep. Just went up there like Calvin Johnson and snatched those touchdowns. He was so much taller than everyone. Uh, I don't know if there's an anytime touchdown score prop here on Coolman. Uh, we have to call them up, but uh, I'm curious how he's gonna do, how he's gonna be because he got injured like right after we were all expecting to see the Agudosi show. But uh, we'll see how that goes. And a newcomer on Hamilton has. Uh, Duke Williams, he's kind of bounced around since coming back from the NFL. He's he's in there. And James Butler from BC, he's now the running back in Hamilton. So a couple new faces uh, there that Bo will be throwing to. Uh, yeah, indeed. Now, so, uh, again, we're going to get to all of this a little bit later on. Bombers are four-and-a-half-point favorites in this game tonight over at Cool Bet. And Dustin Nielsen is going to jump on with us a little bit later on in the program. Uh, before we get to Arpan Basu, <clears throat> quick golf note, because our guy Aaron Cockrell is uh, out at Oakdale playing in his second PGA Tour event. And I wanted to give you a little update on the Manitoban, who unfortunately bogeyed the 18th hole. I'm not sure whether he uh, three-putted or what. He was there very close in two, but that rough is really gnarly. Ended up getting down in six and finishing at even par. So Aaron Cockrell right now is tied at 65th, and it is looking like the cut is going to be even par. So barring a number of players making a big move and leaving par behind, it looks like he'll be able to play the weekend. 
which um, is great news for local golf fans and uh, another Canadian looking. As far as the other guys that are, Ben Silverman's minus one, although he still has to play a second round. He's teeing off pretty much as we speak. Um, looking at the other Canadians that are up in a good spot in the leaderboard, how about Mike Weir? Weir with the two under par today. He finished at uh, with a 70. He's tied for 35th. He'll be playing the weekend. Stuart McDonald, another Canadian that I'll be honest, not too familiar with. He's three under par. Our buddy Taylor Pendrith, he went even par today. He's three under. He'll be playing the weekend. Roger Sloan is now he's just on his second hole, but he was three under yesterday. He birdied. He's at four under par, tied for 14th. Another Canadian, Will Bateman, six under for his round today after a four over or a two over 74 yesterday. He's at four under right now. Corey Connors. Even on his round, but he was tied for the first round lead. He's at five under par. And Adam Hadwin with a four under round today. He's in the clubhouse at five under, tied for 10th. So uh, a great start for many of the Canadians. And fingers crossed, we'll be watching our guy Aaron Cockrell play on the weekend, making the cut. He's in the clubhouse at even, and the projected cut right now is even as Oakdale continues to play really tough. The leader right now in the tournament is Carl Yuan. He is nine under after a five under today. Seven under, Andrew Novak, Brendan Todd, and Aaron Rye. Um, Kim, Nate Lashley's at six under. Justin Lower, Bird, Mark Hubbard as well. And then, as we mentioned, Adam Hadwin there at five under par. You'll be able to see Rory McIlroy, uh, Matt Fitzpatrick, and uh, some of the other bigger names in the feature group this afternoon. And I know TSN has that coming up. Um, so listen, Arpon Basu coming up. And let's get to a quick why not question of the day for our friends over at Not Auto Corp. And I, I think what everyone is interested to know, and we'll talk about more of this with Ken and see if he got any indications from Jeff and Elliot on this topic, is outside of the Montreal Canadiens, or listen, the Habs are on the list. Who are the other teams that you think that Dubois and his camp might be amenable to a sign and trade in a long-term extension. And I had I had to laugh, Remo, and shout out to uh, our girl Bailey, the official intern. She has put in chat, PLD's six-team list is as follows. Number one, the Habs. Number two, Montreal. Three, a team with Martin St. Louis as coach. Number four, a team with Nick Suzuki as captain. Five, team with Cole Caulfield. And six, place where poutine is extremely popular. <laughs> there are still some folks that are still maintaining that it's Montreal and that's it. Um, but, you know, as we said right off the top, I mean, from a Jets perspective, I mean, everyone here, myself included, is hoping to see the Winnipeg Jets get the best value possible for Pierre-Luc Dubois. And if a trade is made, fair return for a player of his, uh, of his makeup. The bottom line is more teams being involved is better for the Winnipeg Jets. And I really think, and we'll get to this with Arpon, the significance of the uh, the want to sign and trade, I think also, listen, it doesn't make for a perfect situation, but considering what was assumed, that the Jets were once again being pushed into a corner with one team and one team only, or losing a player at the end of the year for nothing, uh, I have to say these developments that we got from Arpon are uh, certainly a positive as opposed to maybe where we were 48 hours ago. 
yeah, it was, you know, it was, it was nice to hear that he wasn't Montreal or bust for him. That's what he was reporting and firing he, up Bailey's list. Yeah, although I know Jeff Merrick was on his show saying, you know, Montreal is still number one. But I do wonder, like, how what Montreal would still fit him in. Like, you know, they're rebuilding. They have, they're set at the center position. Um, I know, would his salary fit in there within their structure where, you know, they put Nick Suzuki at the top? Like, I don't know if it makes sense for Montreal. Maybe you could re-sign him for nothing. You would do that. So I don't know why they would trade, but... I guess if there are teams interested, maybe you would. They would feel pressure to go try to get him, and you would also get him for this year uh, and going going forward. So, uh, you know, we'll see how this plays out. But it is it's quite the situation, and the, the Jets are in a real tough spot. And that's just one player. I mean, you got other players who are unrestricted free agents yeah. after the season who they're going to have to deal with. So. Well, Kenny's water bottle makes a great point, um, and uh, I'm with you. The next couple of weeks will be fascinating. Jets have until 48 hours after the cup is awarded to file for arbitration. PLD has until July 5th to sign an offer sheet. If he doesn't by then, it's a one-year deal to be in Winnipeg. And I think it's important to remember, I mean, let's just use the Matthew Kachuk situation as the blueprint um, last year because it was the first sign-and-trade deal maybe ever in the National Hockey League. I I don't know of any others. But the way that deal came together, um, you know, the first thing that the, that the Calgary Flames did when Kachuk told them that he was out and he was not re-signing was to file for team-elected arbitration. And that sort of takes the offer sheets off the table. Um, <clears throat> from a Jets perspective, I think they probably do that just to be safe. Um, because that, the problem is that if they... If, if the player, if they don't elect for arbitration, the player signs a one-year offer sheet and the Winnipeg Jets match it, they can't trade him by the CBA. So it's one year and then you're a free agent. Arbitration is different. I mean, it w- if it did get down to that, they still would have the opportunity to trade him at the deadline. Uh, but all indications, especially from what we're hearing, that Pat Brisson is willing to work with the Winnipeg Jets and open it up a little bit, all signs point to a deal with Dubois, um, whether it's to Montreal or one of those other teams. And we're going to get to that coming up in just a second with Arpin Basu of The Athletic, who had that uh, report come out. Arpin joining us in just a couple minutes from Buffalo. Uh, Before we get to Buffalo and Arpin on the Dubois report, let's give a shout out to our friends at Modern Man Barbershops, now with eight locations in Winnipeg. Visit the uh, newest locations, on either Pembina Highway or Plessy Road and take advantage of all the amazing services that Modern Man has for you, fellas. Haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more. You can make an appointment and book your look at modernmanbarber.com and give them a follow on Instagram as well over at Modern Man Barbershops. Uh, hey, summer is here in full force right now. Make 2023 the year you take the plunge visit Aquatech, aqua-tech.ca to design your own custom pool. Their team can provide on-the-spot pricing from designers as well as financing options that suit you. And whole home rentals start with Aquatech. Thousands of rentals is their foundation. Let Aquatech upgrade any space in your home. Aquatech's ready to make your rental dreams a reality. Learn more about design, pricing, and financing options at aqua-tech.ca. Heading to the lake this weekend? 
How's the battery situation, especially if you've got a boat? Because Donnie and the Manitoba Battery Team have the boat battery blowout sale going until June 17th. Uh, if, every, if you are on the water and need batteries, they've got you covered with the best prices in town. You can get your regular 10-inch, 140-minute reserve capacity deep cycle battery for 105 bucks, Or you can get a higher quality AGM version of the same 10-inch battery that usually sells for $219 for only $139.50. Or you can get on board with the hot new lithium technology and get a 100-amp-hour 100 100 hour lithium battery that only weighs 22 pounds for $599, which is a $200 savings. Anywhere you slice it, Manitoba Battery's got you covered for all your boat battery needs. You'll be shopping local, getting the best price in town by far. And, of course, Manitoba Battery will deliver that to you for free anywhere in the city of Winnipeg. Get on down and find mo out more on the boat battery blowout sale on now until June 17th at manitobabattery.com and in person at 1026 Logan Avenue. And as we mentioned right off the top, gang, the wait is over. We'll see at Investors Group Field tonight. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see a few of you guys enjoying a few Canadian clubs or the pre-mixed Canadian club and ginger ale in a can. Of course, Canada's favorite whiskey Canadian club is also the official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and Winnipeg Sports Talk. You can find it throughout IG Field tonight. And don't forget, CC and Ginger right now is on sale. Six packs for $14.59 wherever you get Canadian Club and Ginger Ale. We'll see you at the Rum Hut tonight and uh, maybe have a couple of those uh, and hopefully watch the Bombers win. All right, we will talk Bombers later on. Dustin Nielsen, who will be calling the game tonight for TSN, is going to jump on in the second hour of the program. Uh, but Dubois drama continues yesterday afternoon. It was the report from <clears throat> Arpin Basu and Marc-Antoine Godin following the Montreal Canadiens for the Athletic on some new developments about how things are shaking out with the Winnipeg Jets and the uh, desires of Pierre-Luc Dubois through his agent, Pat Brisson. No better person to connect with than Arpon himself, who joins us now from the NHL Combine in Buffalo. Arpon, thanks so much for doing this. We spent a lot of time talking about this yesterday, but... If you wouldn't mind, could you expand on uh, how maybe the situation's a little different than many people thought about Dubois, the Montreal Canadiens, and potential other suitors in the league, and a sign-and-trade deal from the Winnipeg Jets? Yeah, well, I think you hit it at the end there. Listen, I mean, I, for a long time, we assumed that Pierre-Luc Dubois wanted to go to Montreal or Montreal alone. Now we know that that's not the case, and that I think their, their realization is that in order to get the player out of Winnipeg, as soon as possible, there needs to be some flexibility here. So that flexibility is what Dubois camp expressed to Kevin Chevalier off here in Buffalo on Tuesday. Um, and that, frankly, is good news for the Winnipeg Jets. Like if they want to maximize the return for this player, entering into a sign-and-trade scenario is the best way to do it. And having a group of teams as opposed to one team uh, is also the best way to do it. J Jacob Truba told them that he specifically wanted to go to the New York Rangers. Kevin Sheldon deserves a lot of credit for what he got out of that trade, uh, considering the circumstances, but that was a tough deal to, to manage and a tough deal to, to pull off. Um, now that he's not only limited to dealing with Montreal and has, has a small group of teams, but a group of teams nonetheless to deal with, they, he can play them off each other 
Uh, but it does remain complicated. Papusan has to be able to come to terms on a new contract with that team while Kevin Shoveldayoff finds a return that he finds uh, amenable to the Jets and that, that, that helps the Jets uh, do what they, they would like to be doing. So it remains complicated, but that's an added layer of flexibility that I think you weren't aware that this situation had. So under this scenario, um, you can create a mini bidding war of sorts because you are providing a player who is very young for a potential UFA, uh, fills, checks a lot of boxes in terms of teams that are looking to get through the playoffs and you know, has kind of a rugged aspect to them, uh, but you're getting him side. Now, what that number on that contract looks like is obviously going to be the big uh, big question mark and, and maybe a bit of a roadblock for Shovel Day off because that's really in his camp's hands. And that's going to be that's going to be tough because Shovel Day off can come up with a great trade with Team X, but Team X might not be willing to go with what Dubois is looking for contract-wise. So it's, it's a very complicated procedure. Well, one of the other things that I found really interesting was that, you know, when we're talking about, like from the report in The Athletic, when we're talking about the potential teams that he would accept a trade to, it was suggested that the ask might be different if it is a uh, contending team that might be ready to win the Stanley Cup. Can you expand a little bit on that, on what the ask will be from Pat Brisson and how that might change from team to team? Well, I think the assumption is, is that on a contending team, the cap's going to be tight, just naturally. So, uh, and obviously, any player has a desire to win and win as soon as possible. So, I think there's that's there's a concession that can be made just because of the realities and the logistics of it. Uh, you look at a team, for instance, Montreal. I don't know how many other teams in that situation Dubois is going to have on his list, but the Canes actually have some financial flexibility. There's a lot of contracts are coming off their books next year. There'll be even more. So, you look at that and you say, okay, well, you can afford to give me. A little more and i'm taking a bit of a risk here like that my desire to win is not as close with you guys so i do think that's a bit of a concession to his own desire to win and realizing that most of those teams aren't swimming in free money uh to operate um arpin you've got about as good of a, a feel of the pulse of the montreal canadians as anyone in the business um how would you characterize the haves interest in Pierre-Luc Dubois and their willingness to pay a price that, you know, would come close to meeting Kevin Shoveldayoff's asking price. I mean, I would say that the Canadians, well, there's definitely interest in adding Pierre-Luc Dubois. I don't see that they see it as an, as a necessity, like as a, as a absolute need for that. Um, they're very encouraged with how uh, Kirby Doc developed last year and how he kind of showed signs that he could become really solid option behind Nick Suzuki and also provide the Canes with some variety between the number one and two He's very tall, rangy, uh, excellent transition center who uh, who seems to have a lot of offensive upside. So clearly if Dubois were to come to the Canes, there's no guarantee that he would even price him. And, and in that respect, yes, I think they would like to add him because they feel that they desperately need to to get to a competitive state. I'm not sure, which will probably limit both what they're willing to offer in a trade and what they're willing to pay uh, the player himself. So it's it's you look at the situation and it's far from being a slam dunk. Even if you tried to come up with a trade that would satisfy both parties, looking at the Canadians' assets and what they might be willing to part with, 
I'm not sure that Winnipeg couldn't find something better out there among the list of teams, which obviously I don't know which teams, but conceivably Winnipeg probably get a better trade offer from some of the other teams in Montreal. Uh, Arpin, it's not news that Winnipeg and Montreal have had a number of discussions about this player dating back to last year. Do you have a sense of what the ask has been from Winnipeg to Montreal and um, how close they've been at any point to maybe getting something done? Uh, not really. I mean, there's some names that have floated out there. I don't think they've been particularly close because if they were, I think it would have gotten done. So it's it's true that Winnipeg's the context for Winnipeg has changed drastically since last summer. You know, I think they looked at going into this season that they had a team that they felt could compete, and for a good chunk of the season, they did that. And they were near the top of the Western Conference, and and, and they were proven right. And they were willing to live with this uncomfortable situation with Carey Dubois for another year. Uh, I think that context has obviously changed with you know Blake Wheeler's status up in the air, and obviously I don't need to explain to you all the uncertainty on the Winnipeg roster, and so. You know, taking care of this, I think the urgency for Winnipeg has obviously gone up. I don't think the urgency for Montreal has changed all that. So, I mean, the most interesting wrinkle, as I mentioned earlier, is that there there can be other teams involved who can legitimately have certainty that they would have this player for the next eight years, and that changes everything as far as Winnipeg's concerned. Do you um do you have any idea on what the other teams that might they might be amenable to go to uh, are? No. Not right now. I mean, I, I don't have that, but, uh, you know, I think you can look around the league and you can kind of start making yeah. some educated guesses. You know, I think you, you'd be as good a position to do that as I am. Uh, but again, I mean, I think that's that's a real game changer that that Dubois camp's willing to do that. They're willing to look at other teams. And I think there's also maybe over the last year, a realization has also grown that maybe, maybe Montreal's not quite as as desperate as they thought they would be to pick up this player. I mean, there's there's oftentimes, whenever there's a player of Quebec origin who is a high-end player, uh, those talks with the Canadians are very different than those talks would be with any other team. There's an assumption from every team in the league, Canadians are going to pay a premium to get that player. And I can tell you for a fact that this, this administration and even previous administrations, but particularly this one, is not going to do that. Like, they would love to add more players who come from Quebec and who, who have that lifelong affinity for the franchise, but they're not going to, they're not going to pay through the nose to do it. And they're not going to pay that premium that everyone assumes. Uh, that being said, when you have a French star player that potentially could come to the Habs, it certainly is, I'm sure a big topic amongst the fan base and the media. Um, what, what, what are you feeling from Habs fans uh, about the potential of Dubois and how much of an appetite is there from, uh, from the Canadians supporters to try and get this guy to come home and, uh, you know, give it another run at, uh, you know, a big money, big name French superstar on the team. I think the idea of someone like Dubois is very appealing to a lot of the fan base, French or English. Uh, But when the reality of Dubois' next contract starts to come into focus, uh, I think a lot of people get a little skittish, you know, like, listen, he had 63 points this season. It was a career high. He's not a prolific scorer. I think we all see his, we all see the potential of, of Dubois when he's at his best. We see the issues with Dubois when he's not at his best. He's not the most consistent player. So um, so there is some realization of that in the fan base. When you look at a number that starts with nine, but more likely something that starts somewhere in the eight, eight to nine million dollar range for this guy, 
I think there's some there's some hesitation, and I bet you there's going to be some hesitation from the Canadians front office too. What's going to be interesting is how much hesitation there is from the other teams on that list, you know. And so, are they going to be able to find a contract fit for this guy, considering he's not a cut and dry, clear, comparable case? You know, I mean, some of the comps that that were mentioned in the story are, I think, are legitimately the ones that would be used by his camp. Matt Kachuk being on the high end and obviously Dubois can't expect something like that, but you know, Rupe hints at 8.5 a year. If you gave me a choice between Rupe hints and Pierre Luc Dubois, I'd probably take Rupe hints. So where Dubois is going to fall is unclear. Uh, but that's really how this whole thing is going to be resolved is, is what kind of contract they can work out with the limited number of teams that they're, they're giving Winnipeg to work with. It's, it's a complicated match because like, the, one team might be able to willing to do the contract but don't quite have the assets that Winnipeg wants. Another team it might be the opposite. Finding that sweet spot between the two is going to be very good. Uh, Arvin Basu of The Athletic joining us discussing the latest on the Pierre-Luc Dubois situation with the Jets and potential trade partners in the NHL. How um, how significant will Pat Brisson's role be over the next couple of weeks? Uh, he's, he's the center of everything. Like, Will he be brokering deals, do you think? Yeah, I think so. I mean, basically, listen, there's, it's, our understanding is that there hasn't been, like, official permission, but, I mean, there's definitely, listen, they're not going to put any teams on the list that aren't interested in signing him to a contract. So it's there's definitely going to be some legwork done, and it's already being done, where you're reaching out to teams to just, to just to see the pool of candidates, the pool of teams that they can pick from to put on that list. So that's step one, and that's, that's Brisson's job. And then once that happens and Shovel Dayoff has to talk to teams about trade terms and then Brisson has to talk about parameters, they can't actually obviously negotiate a contract in very specific terms, but they do have to negotiate the, the specific parameters of the deal that that team will be acquiring. And that's also Pat Brisson's job. So he has two key elements of this deal coming to fruition. Kevin Shovel has another one, which is getting the best return possible for the Winnipeg Jets, but without Pat Reese on doing the other part of that job. Kevin showed out. Can't do that. Uh, um, Arpin, before we go, I mean, as far as the Habs are as a club right now, I mean, obviously they've been in a bit of a rebuild mode. They've got another high pick after picking first overall last year. Um, how would you uh, assess the appetite for the Habs to, you know, to take a big step forward next year as to their level of competitiveness to push for the playoffs? And I guess as part of that, what is on Jeff Gorton's to-do list in addition to making that pick at number five over the course of the next couple of weeks outside of this Dubois situation? Well, I think that, you know, the Canadians' goal is for the team to no longer be thinking in terms of where are we going to pick in the top ten. You know, I don't think, you know, they said at the end of the season that we should be trying to make the playoffs. I don't think they actually believe that they have the team to do that, especially in the division they play in. But they want to take steps towards that. They want to be playing meaningful games later in the season. And so the steps right now is that, you know, my sense is that the Canadians are looking at 2024, 20, 25 as being an important season. So they need to, there's, there's some more money coming off the books at the end of this season. So they will be looking to add pieces that they think can help them at that point. Um, so it's not going to be purely futures, but they're still in the market for good young players. If they can trade some of their veterans, they probably would. Uh, Joel Edmondson's name is going to be floating around between now and the draft and probably even after that. 
uh, as a player that they would be willing to move um, for any teams that, you know, you look at the you look at the current playoffs, look at the Vegas defense, even Florida's defense. Uh, it's it's clear now that in the playoffs you can't you can't get through three rounds and make it to the final without without a significantly beefy kind of defense core. So Joel Edmondson's better days are probably behind him, but he represents that style of defenseman. So I think that is one thing that they're looking to do to turn him into some assets for for the future. Uh, Arpin, one more for you, and uh, thanks again so much for for doing this. Um, you know, we saw the Cole Caulfield extension, uh, which was just below where Nick Suzuki's long-term extension was. And it's been sort of reported or assumed that there is somewhat of an internal cap. Um, can, can you explain what that is, where that situation is and how impactful might that be, even if they are interested in Dubois and getting him signed? Well, they don't do Dubois or, for that matter, any other contractual situation is being comparable. Nick Suzuki signed that contract prior to the end of his entry-level contract. Cole Caulfield signed it at the end of his entry-level contract. Um, the only difference between the two is that Nick Suzuki was one year closer to unrestricted free agent status than Cole Caulfield was. So in that sense, the Cole Caulfield camp actually did pretty well um, getting close to his number. But like, you know, when the Canadians sat Nick Suzuki as an internal cap, it was really specific to Cole Caulfield and might be specific to other players coming off entry level, but it does not apply to a situation like Pierre was not necessarily him per se, but uh, they, it would be ridiculous to us to, to go into the unrestricted free agent market and hope to sign an impact player and say, well, you're not making more than 7.85 million or 7.875 million. I don't think they're going to sign too many impact players to doing that. So um, it was a cap in this one specific time. Um, and who knows? I mean, listen, if your Isafkowski takes off over the next two years and becomes this star, like I don't even think that cap would apply to him or the player they take at number five draft. You know, it's, it was really specific to this current player, the Cole Caulfield, at this specific time. So I don't think Pierre-Luc Dubois coming to Montreal or not would necessarily be affected by that. What I do think it would be affected by is that I think the Canadians have an idea of how much they would like to pay him. And I'm not sure if that's going to align with what Pierre-Luc Dubois expects as far as compensation on his next season. All right, great stuff with Arpin Basu of The Athletic. We're going to get to uh, more on the topic with Weber coming up in just a second. Uh, what are you uh, putting on the grill this weekend, folks? If you're looking for uh, amazing grass-fed bison and beef steaks, our friends at Vita Health have those for you, along with great prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries. And, of course, Winnipeg's largest selection of local products, too. And, hey, with Father's Day around the corner, Men's health is top of mind. Garden of Life has created some unique formulas like Prostate Protect and Once Daily Men's. Both contain 50 billion beneficial bacteria to support men's gastrointestinal health. Get it at Vita Health Fresh Market, empowering people to lead healthy lives. Seven Winnipeg locations and online with local delivery options at myvita.ca. Uh, Wallace & Wallace are Winnipeg's fencing and overhead door specialist serving residential and commercial customers since 1946. If your property needs the security and protection of a new fence or if winter did a number on your old one, give them a buzz. Vinyl, ornamental, welded wire, chain link, or wood, they've got the right fence for you. And if it's time to replace your garage door 
They also have Winnipeg's largest selection of overhead garage doors. All you need to do is give them a call at 204-452-2700. The Wallace & Wallace team will arrange a time to come out and give you a free estimate. And you can also visit them online at wallacefences.com or pop down and see them in person at their showroom on Lawson Road off of Keniston. How's the closet looking, fellas, as we uh, get into wedding season in the summer? If you need to up your menswear game, you got to head on over to F Apparel at 190 Smith Street. Custom suits beginning at 400 bucks, along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles, and an incredible selection of menswear accessories. In a wedding party, talk to them about getting fitted for the gang, and you all get a 15% discount in the uh, wedding party. And a free custom shirt and tie awaits any 2023 high school grads with the purchase of a new suit. 190 Smith Street is where you'll find F Apparel. Make an appointment or find out more online at F, that's E-P-H, apparel.com. And a big shout out to Nick and Nikki. They've been busy, busy these days as with this incredible weather we've had. A blizzard season, the good kind, is officially here in Winnipeg. Try out, try out those new summer blizzard flavors at any of the four Nick and Nicky DQs, DQ Northgate, DQ Pola Park, DQ St. Anne's, and DQ Niverville. And uh, Ken's going to join us in just a minute, but let's get to our, uh, let's get to a little Breezy Bend golf update because as we mentioned, the RBC Canadian Open is going on right now. The leader, Carl Yuan, is in the clubhouse at nine under par, one shot ahead of Aaron Rye. And a plenty of Canadians doing well. Adam Hadwin, tied for ninth right now. He's in the clubhouse at five under after a four under round of 68 today. Corey Connors out on the course right now, even par for his round. He was the clubhouse leader or tied for it at five under par. He remains at five under par. Uh, Canadian Will Bateman and Taylor Pendrith both in at three under par, along with Canadian Stuart McDonald and Roger Sloan. Mike Weir. Two under par, and I think of most interest to folks here in Winnipeg and Manitoba. How'd our guy Aaron Cockrell do? He bogeyed 18, but good news, he's in the clubhouse at even, tied for 64th, projected cut is even, so it does look like Aaron Cockrell will be representing Manitoba and Canada in the third and fourth rounds on the weekend at the RBC Canadian Open. Of course, our Golf Reports brought to you by Breezy Bend. If you're thinking about a long-term golfing home for you and your family, talk to our pal Corey Johnson, the GM at Get Breezy, or get online at breezybend.ca and find out more about getting on the waiting list for the 2024 season over at Breezy Bend. All right, we just had Arpin Basu. I know Ken's been busy talking to Jeff Merrick and Elliot. So let's get to the latest with uh, our guy, Kenny Weeb. Weaver, uh, what's going on? I thought you might be uh, already out uh, getting ready for, isn't the Grey Owl this weekend? You're always in that, aren't you? Yeah, usually, Huss. Uh, I did get up to Clear Lake this week. Course is in spectacular shape for the gentleman participating this weekend, but not uh, not not in the media flight this year. Uh, Saturday night function, previously engaged, so... And also keeping a very close eye on that Stanley Cup final, Huss. But uh, yes, uh, golf season is upon us, no doubt. Looking forward to getting out to Breezy shortly. But yeah, had a nice uh, 54 holes in about 30-hour stretch there uh, in Clear Lake. So Friday is an off day. Time to do some work here. Hey, just quickly before we get to uh, the big story around here, Winnipeg, Dubois, the Dubois situation. 
Uh, what did you think about the game last night? Uh, Florida, they were really up against it, found a way to get it to OT, and man, this team is now 7-0 and in overtime. Uh, still a little bit of magic with the, Carolina, with the Florida Panthers. Don't count them out, done just yet. Yeah, they're a resilient bunch, Huss. Uh, maybe uh, apropos that you had Arpin on, Huss, given the 1993 Montreal Canadiens vibes that they're having in overtime so far this year, now 7-0 and for the Florida Panthers. Yeah, interesting tilt. Uh, Vegas, uh, the one thing we know about Vegas, Huss, they respond well to losses. Yes, sure, they lost two in a row to Dallas, but that's the only time they've really been uh, in that predicament, uh, they've responded incredibly well in each and every series. Winnipeg Jets fans know that incredibly well, how well they played in Game 2 and then winning Game 3. Edmonton, they bounced back at every turn when they faced some adversity. So I don't foresee this being a massive issue for the Golden Knights. I think they're, they've been the better team for the majority of the three games. But Florida's a plucky bunch. Matthew Kachuk did what Matthew Kachuk does in these playoffs, and Sergei Bobrovsky returned to form. I think that was probably the biggest development for the Florida Panthers, uh, they still have a discipline problem, as we know, Huss. Uh, that is something that's been rampant throughout this series so far. Uh, Florida Pans can you know, complain about the ticky-tack calls if they like, but uh, don't put yourself in position to be having those types of calls be made against you. Uh, you're not going to intimidate the Vegas Golden Knights, and you know we'll see how they respond moving forward here. But yeah, fun series so far. A lot of great individual performances. Jonathan Marchessault continues to just be absolutely scalding hot. Jack Eichel, just an amazing job of bouncing back from that incredible hit from Kachuk. Those two guys still right in neck-and-neck form for the Conn Smythe. And, you know, man, the Manitobans have sure been shining Huss. Um, you know, maybe tough one. Looked like the OT winner might have gone off the stick of Howden, but uh, boy, oh boy, he's been playing great. Mark Stone has been playing great. Zach Whitecloud has been playing great. It and Keegan Colesar, man, that talk about that hit <laughs> talk about the hit night. <laughs> yeah, man, just about knocked him out of the series. Uh, that absolutely freight train. Uh, Keegan is someone who is having an excellent playoff. He's one of those under the radar glue guys that every team wants. He is a power forward. He's an incredibly powerful man. He can skate like the wind, as we saw on that goal earlier. I think it was in the Dallas series there in game six. Huss, uh, he is a physical force. He has some pretty good hands on him from his days back with the Seattle Thunderbirds in the Western Hockey League. Uh, and this is the kind of guy that can maybe, uh, you know, moving forward, he'll take on a larger role as things move along here. But, yeah, a fun series. I mean, it, it's it's two really good teams. Yeah, it was looking, you know, with about three minutes left that the clock might be striking midnight on the Cinderella story. And lo and behold, there is another overtime victory. And now the se- this series has a little bit of tension. And uh, speaking of tension, I know there's a lot of tension that's been going on this week uh, around where we live, Andrew. Yes. Uh, <laughs> as I say, we got to update the Dubois drama logo. We got to, did you see, we have now have a spinning Dubois uh, oh, drama logo. Okay. Check this out. Remo, fire this one up for Ken. Just uh, CTO, let's get to work as, here. Come as on. We, as we it's get Friday. Hey, he's, he's, been, he's been all over he's it. He's been Ken. hustling. Had, <laughs> exactly. Um, all right, Kenny. Um, hey, just actually, one more question on the final sure. as it relates to the Jets. You just laid out all these Manitobans that are kicking ass for Vegas right now. How do you think that resonates within management of the Winnipeg Jets here in uh, here in the club. There you go. The Dubois drama tremendous logo, job. ready to yes, go. Yes, tremendous. Um, how, how do you think that resonates? Because that's the one thing that you know we've often heard. Um, this team hasn't had a lot of local flavor, and it, it is somewhat puzzling at times. You know, with the amount of Americans on the club, uh, you know, 
This is team Craig Heisinger's background is the Western Hockey League. Kevin Sheveldale's background is the Western Hockey League. Do you think seeing these Manitobans do what they're doing right now for Vegas um, at all maybe gives them pause to maybe go down that road a little bit more, whether it be in the draft or potentially in player acquisitions? Yeah, I mean, Huss, it is a fair question. And, and we know one thing we've heard from both Kevin Cheveldayoff and Mark Hillier over the 12 years uh, previously. They don't draft by passport. But, you know, given some of the things that have been unfolding both on the ice, as you mentioned, with the Vegas School of the Knights and maybe what's happening off the ice with the Jets, uh, doesn't it, I mean, do I, would I encourage more Manitobans? Of course. But I think it, you know, looking at some guys from the prairies uh, would be a good idea. It may be a little bit easier to convince those kind of guys to you know, stick around these parts. So uh, we know we had the Finnipeg era for a long time here where a lot of the Finns were rolling through town and uh, doing a nice job. And, you know, that has continued to a certain degree. But, yeah, I mean, do I think – here's the one thing, too. though The Jets were one of the teams in on Zach Whitecloud Huss. I mean, so it's not like they weren't trying to sign him as a college free agent, but he, this is a guy who had, has had a relationship with Kelly McCrimmon dating back to the time he was a teenager. So, um, you know, in talking to Zach over the years, I think that certainly was a factor. I do think he gave the Jets some consideration, but, you know, a long-winded way of saying, uh, do I think the Jets could benefit from – you know, you don't just draft somebody or sign somebody because of where they're from, Huss. I do think that the complex, you know, the, the the back end of the player or the you know, character, high character guys. I think that they they could be looking at maybe sprinkling a little bit more of that Manitoba and even just in a broader based sense, some prairie flavor. I would say too. I mean, Michigan, Minnesota. I mean, those are kind of you know, similar climates or whatever. If you want to want to want to go down those types of roads, but yeah, I mean. It, Bang the drum for more Manitobans and Prairie flavors, sure. I do think that uh, these are guys that are having a, you know, Mark Stone was a you know, star player in junior. He has become a star player in the NHL. I think you know, that's obvious. But guys like Colasar and Howden. Howden's on his third organization, Huss, and uh, Colasar on his second. Uh, but those guys really have found a home and are blossoming with the Vegas Golden Knights because A, their personalities fit really well there, and they're really, really good complementary players. And you talk about the skill set and, you know, whatever. You could say Howden was like, – that's not the third line. Like Howden, Stevenson, and Stone, like that's legitimately a first line on most hockey teams. You can call them one, two, or three, however way you want to mark them down. Uh, but he's a nice complementary piece with a couple of skilled players. And Howden, let's not forget, he's a first-round draft pick originally also by the Tampa Bay Lightning. And Colasar was a third-rounder, but a guy who really was – late bloomer might be stretching it a little bit, but he got better and better as the years went on. Hassa being a guy who played a lot of sports growing up and then you know kind of went down the hockey road and really became – like this is a guy that was playing with Matt – like people forget, like this guy played on a line with Matt Barzell when Seattle – uh, won the championship, I believe. I mean, the one year they lost to Brand, or they lost to Brandon, and then they won the next year. So, I mean, these guys are really talented players. But yeah, I mean, do I think yes? The, the short answer is yes. As I do think that that's something that has to be a consideration, and it's something too that it goes deeper than that. Huss, I think the Jets will be looking to become a little bit more blue collar in terms of their approach. Some of that will be out of necessity given the skill talent, the skill and talent level that will probably be headed out the door during this offseason here coming up. But yeah, I mean, I do think the Jets need to get uh, a little bit closer to the 2015 construction of the roster and 
again, you still have to have skilled players to compete. Let, let, let's not look at Vegas and Florida and say these are these are you know lunch bucket brigade clubs. They have some lunch bucket players, but even the guys that we mentioned, those are skilled players who are have become more complementary, you know, secondary scoring type of guys at the NHL level. Um, all right, Weaver, let's get to the the elephant in the room. They might have some room for another Western Canadian player or two because <laughs> looks like they're going to be losing a French dude. There it is, the new, the spinning Dubois drama logo. Wow, that looks great, Reem. Um, there's been a lot of noise around Dubois, Pat Brisson, um, and we just had Arpin on, very interesting report that kind of broke while we were on the air yesterday yep. that I think significantly changes at least the perception of Kevin Cheveldayoff's situation when trading Pierre-Luc Dubois in that, you know, reportedly they'll submit a list of five to six teams. And as we heard from Arpon, there is a willingness or a hope to do a sign and trade a la Matthew Kachuk. In your mind, how significant is that for Winnipeg? And does that significantly improve Kevin Cheveldayoff's situation considering the need to move on from Dubois um, with one year left of team control? Yeah, stick taps to Arpin and, and Mark Antoine Godin as well uh, on that reporting for sure, and from out from being at the combine, I believe. Um, yeah, does it help the Jets? Of course, it can't help. It can't help but help them. It certainly wouldn't hurt them. But how serious are those other options, Huss? I mean, is this just a leverage play, or is this a situation where? the Jets can get those other five teams interested in the bidding process, both in terms of what they're offering uh, in terms of a trade return and secondarily, and we cannot ignore this part of it either. It's not just in the Jets' best interest for there to be leverage in this scenario. There is leverage trying to be created by the agent who negotiated the deal for Cole Caulfield this year. So he is quite familiar with the framework of what is happening with the Montreal Canadiens, Huss. And uh, we know that Pierre-Luc Dubois was probably looking for a contract somewhere in the $9 million range. And it's quite clear that the Montreal Canadiens, or it seems quite clear that the Montreal Canadiens are not willing to go above eight. So um, to me, Brisson is looking for a situation where if Kent Hughes wants to win the bid for Pierre-Luc Dubois, he may have to also pay the freight, even if he may not want to. So um, that that also has to be part of the consideration here, Huss, as well. Is it better for the Jets to be negotiating with more than one team rather than having only one team that seems to be suggesting, yeah, we'll wait a year. Why would we give you Kirby Doc when we can wait a year and get him for nothing but the salary that we're going to have to pay him? Well... <laughs> Let's see how that unfolds in front of us here. Do I think that would be a benefit for Kevin Cheveldayoff? Yes. And that, I mean, you talked about it this week, Huss, in my column. I mean, getting Brisson involved is a smart thing in this scenario. You don't want every agent banging down your door and taking control of the negotiation process when it comes to trades. But this would fall under a uh, almost under a break glass if in danger of emergency type of situation for the Jets. Uh, of course, they don't want to have an inmates running the asylum type of attitude prevailing here with the organization. And, that, and that's not what would be happening here. What would be happening is the Jets are trying to better their own situation, which looks very much right now like a predicament until the trade gets made and the Jets get some assets back that can help them in the long run. Yeah, now, I mean, I listen, I, when I read that, I certainly, and again, I'm coming from a Jets point of view and perspective, but it certainly does seem like that is a real positive development. Uh, 
there's a lot of people that still believe all roads lead back to Montreal. I know you were speaking with uh, Jeff, I believe, and Elliot. Yeah. I mean, what, uh, what what did they have to say? Because, I mean, I, I certainly have been reading some of the quotes from the show earlier today, and it certainly does seem like, you know, certainly from Elliot, who's about as dialed in as anybody in the business, there is a little bit of hesitation to dive into this one all in. He sort of, from what I gathered, still believes it's Montreal, and then everyone else maybe um, how would you characterize what you're hearing from uh, some of your sources uh, there with, as it pertains to this situation? For sure. Is it the preferred destination? It certainly seems to be the case. But now what what is the most important thing? Is it winning immediately? Is it getting paid the most money? Is it term? Is it only Montreal? That only Pierre-Luc Dubois knows that for sure, Huss. And we know he's not sharing that publicly at this point, uh, which is a smart move for him because if it doesn't work out, you don't want all of us nosy reporters saying, hey, you said it was Montreal or bust, right? Like there's no there's no benefit for him opening up uh, and sharing his thoughts right now. Um, you know, Pierre-Luc Dubois will not be with the Jets, I don't think. That's a pretty fair assumption, Huss, next year. If it gets to that point, it would be probably uncomfortable for both sides based on this. You know, he's gonna done a great job of compartmentalizing over the last two years, uh, no matter how he feels about it. Uh, it seems like he's ready to move on. Uh, this is a bit of a power move for sure. It is going to be one that leaves, you know, some a sour taste in the mouths of many of in the, you know, probably in the organization, certainly among the fan base. But the best situation for the Jets would be to have resolution in this situation. Huss, we've been talking about it for a long time. Pierre-Luc Dubois, we know he gave strong effort in the last two years, and we know he was hurt the first year. Uh, we know this is not the outcome that the Jets wanted or the fan base wanted, especially, I know you talked about it during the week, given what was given up to get him. Uh, I thought you had a great conversation with Sean yesterday about it. Um, yeah, I mean, this is this is a this is no, trying to you're trying to squeeze lemon or you're trying to sque- make lemonade out of the lemons here if you're Kevin Shevel Dayoff because he took a big swing, which is something that he has not been overly apt to do uh, during his tenure here. He took a big swing to upgrade a position that they thought they needed to upgrade. And it's not turning out the way that they want it to. to. Uh, that that is seeming to be pretty obvious. Now you're trying to you know avoid some of the shrapnel, but put the team in a position where they can at least stay competitive and you know get better in the future. It's going to be incredibly difficult to win a Pierre-Luc Dubois trade given the situation. But there are players that can help the Winnipeg Jets both in the short term and the long term. And that's why getting Brisson involved is important. Now, is this just window dressing or is it really a possibility for him to sign somewhere else? I think the LA Kings make a lot of sense for Pierre-Luc Dubois, both for him personally and given where their team is at in terms of their window of contention. Andre Kopitar is one year away us from unrestricted free agency. I'm certainly not suggesting he is a guaranteed to be retiring there, but he's certainly not going to be making 10 million. And if you're the LA Kings and you are have been pushing the last couple of years against the Edmonton Oilers in the playoffs, well, we know there's a certain centerman that has disrupted things for 
guys like Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl in the past. So I could see him being a very good fit there, Huss. I know we've talked about this for the last several weeks now. LA also has the type of assets in their organization that you've been talking about in terms of having team control, being younger players, looking for an emerging role. I'm looking at you, Gabe Velarde, guys like that, maybe Sean Dursey on the back end, uh, and then see what happens there. So uh, do I think it's possible? Of course, but it all depends on what those teams are willing to offer, A, in terms of AAV, and B, in terms of what they're willing to offer in terms of the, the packages they'd be willing to put together. The most obvious one we have as a point of reference is Jacob Truba. And in that deal, the Jets got a top four defenseman and a first round draft pick at 20th overall. I know there's lots of people saying, oh, the Jets have to hold out for fifth overall. I I don't see it. I just don't see it happening. Uh, Could I see them getting 31st or 32nd? Yes. Uh, But that that pick's going to be in the Brad Lambert kind of range and that guy's going to help the Jets in two or three years down the road so I would say they'd be more likely to want to get an asset uh, that could help them a little bit sooner now would I rule out that of course not but uh, I would think it's pretty fair to scratch the number five overall pick off of the uh, agenda here unless like we said unless somehow the bidding war rises and maybe because of the situation Huss with Mitch Koff being right at that range, if Montreal thinks they can get a, a very, because they have such a plethora of draft picks this year, maybe they'd be willing to trade down to 17. I don't think so. It is so rare for top five picks to be moved. I think that Kent Hughes is going to either take Leonard or whoever else is there, Mitch Koff or whatever they decide to do. So I don't see the fifth overall pick being in play. You know, the Canadians developed Kirby Doc. Like the Jets needed last year's version of Kirby Doc, you know, in a deal, right? Now that he's more of a well rounded player and he's thriving under Marty St. Louis, what's the impetus for Montreal to move him along and move him down the road? That to me would also seem unlikely. Should the Jets be asking for Kirby Doc? Absolutely they should be, because he's the kind of player, like we talked about, you know, guy played in Saskatoon. Big, strong center, played the wing mostly last year, but big, strong center can help them down the middle. You know, are there parts of his game that need to improve? Of course. But I would remind folks, when we were in the bubble in 2020, uh, the Chicago Blackhawks, when they upset the Edmonton Oilers in the, you know, play-in portion, Jonathan Taves was the best player on the Blackhawks by, you know, I would say a fair margin. Number two in that series was Kirby Doc. I thought that Doc outplayed Patrick Kane in that playoff round. So this is a guy with enormous potential, but they're more likely to be getting a future Kirby Doc than the current Kirby Doc because that player is kind of thriving now under their guidance. So, I mean, we'll see what happens. I mean, I think that Montreal is the preferred destination. You know, Dubois has said too, you know, the sign and trade element is interesting to me, Huss, because that's the only way you can get eight years other than signing and staying in Winnipeg, right? The eight years, that's the only way it's available. That would also increase and enhance the return. And everyone's using the Kachuk example for good reason. But it's not just this was a straight one for two. The only reason the Florida Panthers were willing to trade Huberto and Uyghur is because their combined salary on a long-term deal would have exceeded the 9.5 they were able and willing to pay for Matthew Kachuk, right? Huberto, much like Kachuk this year, was a Hart Trophy finalist coming off a 100-plus point season, and Uyghur was a top-pairing defenseman. 
they weren't going to be able to sign those two players, which is part of the reason that they were available to be traded for. Now, can the Jets find a scenario where there's another team that is in cap trouble or jail that is would be willing to move a player that is a, a good player now, and then you have to take a salary with them? I mean, that, that's that's part of the creativity we've been discussing when it comes to the challenge for Kevin Sheveldayoff. But that, that's got to be on the on the front burner as well. You know, I mean, let me ask you this, Ken, uh, because I think we've known that there's been plenty of conversations about Dubois between the Jets and the Habs dating back to last year. Do you have, and I mean, all of this comes within the context of, you know, Elliot Friedman saying, hey, they're look, listing on all these guys, but it's not a rebuild. And that was interesting the way that that was posed and put forth, both I think for fans, but also maybe some of the other players on the Winnipeg Jets team. But do you have any idea of what the ask of the Winnipeg Jets has been up until this point for Pierre-Luc Dubois when it comes to the Habs or really other teams? No, I do not, Huss. I mean, if I had known that, I would have reported it, and I'm sure everyone else would have. I mean, that that's the the one of the things the Jets have done particularly well, and I know it's frustrating for the fan base and and many of the reporters, is that when it comes, there aren't a lot of public negotiations. So when the, when these things like with Brisson come out, like last year at the draft, and now through insiders, I mean, those are pressure points that are being applied, right? I mean, if if, if things are at a standstill. You know, <laughs> there are only so few ways you can move the the, the rock forward here. How do so, you take this? It will just on that point. I mean, this report yesterday on potentially a sign and trade five to six teams. Like to me, if anything, and we know there's tons of pressure on Chevy to make a deal. I mean, that's obvious. To me, that's almost some pressure on the Montreal Canadiens that if you want this sure. guy, you better figure out a way to get it done and be ready to sign my client to an eight-year extension. Yeah, Huss, I mean, I, I would say that in this last year, I would say the pressure point was being applied to the Winnipeg Jets by the agent and Dubois' camp. And I would say this year, the agent is applying a little bit of pressure on both sides. I think that is, it's A, Jets, please stop being so patient and get moving forward. My client would like resolution. But as you mentioned, B, Montreal, if you're serious, you better get it done because there are going to be other teams that are serious and want to get it done. So, yeah, I mean, plus we've been talking about this for months, and I, I, I'm, I've been saying what Elliot said on Saturday for two months to you now. I, I don't see this as a – it's not going to be a scorched earth rebuild. Uh, that's not going to be the way that it is. It's certainly, you know, whatever it is, recalibrate, retool, as you've been mentioning, whatever word you want to call it. Team's going to look different. It, it has to look different, and it's going to look different. And now it's about trying to maximize the value of the assets. Now, I know, you know, could there be some temptation for Kevin Sheveldayoff to think about running it back? Well, if the offers are terrible, then sure. But that that's not going to advance the situation for the Winnipeg Jets. And, hey, I get it. People are saying, oh, look at those Panthers. They're the, you know, the Jets had more points than the Panthers did during the regular season. Getting in is all you need to do. And, well, let's also not forget the Panthers were the number one seed in the playoffs one year previous, and they got swept in the second round by the Tampa Bay Lightning. So I don't think you can equate the Jets and the Panthers as an apples-to-apples scenario, even though there's an obvious link behind the bench. So what what that means for the Jets is, is I think, <clears throat> I think a great example here, what the Jets are going to be looking at. Look at guys like William Carlson, 
who was a four goal scorer with the Columbus or sorry, six goal scorer with the Columbus Blue Jackets before he was a 43 goal scorer in year one with the original Misfits. Look at Carter Verhage, a guy who couldn't make it with the Toronto Maple Leafs, a guy who was traded, a guy who went to the Tampa Bay Lightning, played his nine to 12 minutes on the fourth line and said, you know what? This was a lot of fun. I'm super happy about winning a Stanley Cup ring, but you know what? I, I'm a top six player, and I can't be one here, so I want to be one somewhere else. Uh, look at Chandler Stevenson, a fourth-line player. I've, I've mentioned him several times us now here, and I'm not trying to repeat myself, but it's important to know Chandler Stevenson was a fourth-line guy who bounced between center and wing for the Washington Capitals, and now he centers one of the most important lines on a team that's in the Stanley Cup final and is a 60- to 70-point player. So... These guys are out there. Every team is looking for them, but you need to identify them and try to bring those guys into the fold and watch them take emerging roles where they're given a little bit more and then see what they can do with the responsibility. Uh, You know, one of the other things about this that, I mean, we've heard reported, well, obviously, mostly in this report of the list of five to six teams uh, from the athletic guys, but I was listening to Merrick yesterday and they were talking about Dubois briefly and Merrick dropped that, you know, he believed that there might be a couple other teams that Duab would be willing to go to. And I think that in some ways is sort of a precursor to what we learned from uh, from Arpin and uh, Marc-Antoine Godin later on yesterday. But when you look at the, the, the landscape right now of the teams that might be involved or in the mix, the two teams that were mentioned, one was the New York Rangers. No kidding. They always seem to be on the list. The other was the Minnesota Wild, which was sort of stunning to me. Um, it That wasn't one that would have been maybe in my top 15, considering where they are cap-wise. Um, what, did, uh, what have you learned about that, Kenny? And are there any other teams that either just by kind of putting some two and two together that you think might be on that five to six team list when uh, Brisson presents it to Chevy? Yeah, for sure. Two quick things. I mean, Pierre-Luc Dubois had a great relationship with Artemi Panarin. So that's a natural fit with the Rangers. And it's not the same thing with Minnesota. And again, if, 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 like I said earlier, it's not just about fashion and, you know, money and being in a big city, then going to a place like the Minnesota wild where they don't have a bona fide number one center to be playing with Kirill Kaprizov. Maybe that makes sense on that front, given the success that he had with a, you know, similarly skilled Russian winger in Panarin. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the fact that they're going to be eating 14 and 15 million of dead cap space would make any type of deal where he wants to make big dollars incredibly challenging. And and it's not necessarily the market. I mean, Hus, we love going down to the Twin Cities, but it's not the big, big market, media market that we expect him to want to be in. Uh, like a New York or an LA that I mentioned earlier. Is that part of it? Is he one of these guys that needs the spot? Like I, I'll be honest. Like I, I don't understand Pierre Luc Dubois. I mean, to me, like one day he's one thing, another day he's the other. Is that what sort of is the, is the understanding that he's a bright lights, big city guy? I mean, we know he's connection to Montreal, but of those other teams, uh, he's looking for the big spot and the big spotlight. I'm not sure. I mean, this is the one thing about the pandemic is that you just don't have it as many. We had two years where you don't have those same face-to-face conversations. And Pierre-Luc Dubois, I would say, as a member of the media, he's been very accountable, very available in all circumstances. 
but I don't know a lot about him personally or what makes him tick us um, just based on, you know, basically here having one year of face-to-face interviews with him and one telephone conversation the day that he was traded. So I don't pretend to have a feel for what matters to him. And and that's why I asked him about the how important it was for him to be a UFA at the exit interviews where he gave a great answer about, yeah, the UFA gives you power. But, I mean, it's very obvious he's now, even though he's not a pending UFA, he's yielding some power here in this scenario. So uh, I don't know what is the most important. We're, we're, we're going to find out, Huss, based on the resolution, I think. What what is the most important thing for him? Uh, I think that it's going to be de- very interesting to to monitor. Jeff also mentioned uh, teams like Dallas and Tampa in, in tax-free states. Uh, so, I mean, those are really great hockey markets, but they're not necessarily the brightest lights, big city. Uh, I think there's an element of Pierre-Luc Dubois. I think he, he enjoys doing interviews, but I don't think that he necessarily needs all of the attention i think that's why cities like new york and la would have would have some appeal where you just kind of blend in and you know just in talking to him after the during that california road trip like on a sunday afternoon off day pierre-luc dubois and several players went down to staples center and you know sat i think pretty close to courtside to watch lebron in person so nice to be able to go there where you're not recognized nobody's bothering and again i'm not saying people are out there you know in anybody's business necessarily but um He's a guy that loves other sports. He follows them closely. He loves soccer, loves, you know, enjoys baseball. So is there some appeal to be in a big market where there's other sports happening? Sure. But I think ultimately he wants to be somewhere where uh, he is going to be probably for an eight-year span. He's going to be 33 at the end of that contract. I know last year uh, at the exit interviews, he said it could be his last contract. I'm not sure that's going to be the case. Um, You know, his prime year, he's going to be going to a place for his prime years. And, you know, I think he wants to have the security of being able to choose to some degree. So having a five or six team window would give him a little bit more of an opportunity to do so. Um, two of the other teams that you know Jeff mentioned with me today during this interview thought Carolina maybe makes some sense to him. Uh, they're a kind of a team that maybe they could go the one year route and then see what happens. I mean, they also have a huge decision on Ajo coming in the offseason. Um but, I mean, they took Pacioretty as a rental. Yes, sure, they didn't have to give up a lot to get him. But, I mean, that was a $6 million guy on expiring contract who, you know, I don't think he even played 10 games for them this year. So uh, that is an interesting one. And for me, obviously, Boston is still some a team that I know you've talked about it too. And it would be quite a plot twist if he would be oh. uh, going to the Bruins as a, you know, a Canadians fan and a French-Canadian star who could replace, a, you know, potentially replace a guy like Pierre Bergeron and be, you know, it, it's the ultimate. We've been talking about a lot about wrestling this week with the Iron Sheik and everything else, Huss. It would be the ultimate heel turn where the guy spends two years basically – uh, sending out smoke signals. I love you, Montreal. By the way, this is NW or sorry, uh, Mega Powers and Hulk Hogan just clotheslined Randy Macho Man Savage and said, "Yeah, I'm going to be spending the next eight years torturing you in the Atlantic Division, playing against one of your storied original six rivals." Um, it would be certainly interesting for folks like us in the media house, uh, but we'll <laughs> we'll see if they end up being one of those five or six teams uh, that maybe show some interest. Oh man, you just mentioned the Iron Sheik. I, I've gone down a few major rabbit holes on <laughs> Sheik interviews today. Every now and then, I'll just find myself going, "Cameraman, zoom it," and uh, get into some Sheikisms. Um, so, listen, Dubois obviously is the focus right now because of the information. But I, I'm just looking like Frank just fired up his new, whatever trade target board yep. or whatever it's called over there. 
and the Jets have three of the top four. <laughs> it's Dubois at number one. It's Hellebuck at number two. Is Mark Shifley at number four? Um, do you believe that Dubois is the first shoe to drop, and how will that deal affect the others that seemingly are on the table right now for Kevin Chevaldeo? Well, I, I think it. The reason it would be first, Huss, if it ends up being first, is because the Jets still want to find a way to try and keep Connor Hellebuck, and they're going to have to potentially do that by showing him the type of return that will be coming back for Dubois and potentially for Mark Shifley. Um, Do I think that – I still think that the most important piece – they're all important. Let's not – there's no way to get around this. So we can rank them any way that we want, but the Jets – you know, are expected to need to replace their top one and two centermen and potentially their netminder. So right now there's, there's public pressure being applied by the Dubois camp. Can we see a scenario before the end of June in Nashville where Connor Hellebuck's representatives are doing something similar? Sure, but, you know, historically that hasn't necessarily been the style of Ray Petcow. They're more of an under-the-radar type of of agency and you know they got the deal with hellebuck signed kind of quietly so i don't expect to see ray demanding a trade for connor hellebuck now we know that the situation with hellebuck is even more complex because of his age huss and because of the salary number that he's going to be looking for which is a higher number than pierre-luc dubois is looking for most likely and it will be taking him to the years 37 and 38 rather than 33. So that's a complicated scenario in and of itself. Uh, and there's the other, you know, the other issue for the Jets. They don't have an in. Well, I guess it would be a parallel to the center position, you know, outside of potentially moving Cole Perfetti into the middle, which is his natural position. The Jets don't have an incumbent that's ready to take on the starting goalie job. Right now, they don't even. They may not even have a guy who's ready to be the backup goalie, as it stands right now, because David Riddick won't be back. I know they're happy with Arvid Holm and Oscar Salmanen, but I don't see a scenario where those guys are necessarily going to be number two in the depth chart next year. So that's what complicates matters with Hellebuck. Now, do I think the I still think that the goalie position is the most important position. People can say what they want about job shares and everything else. And that's fa- those are facts. I mean, Connor Hellebuck, if he stays with the Jets, needs to be closer to the 60-start range. But at the same time, the bigger issue with Hellebuck isn't going to be if he's worth $10 million in two years from now. Is he worth $10 million nine years from now? And what about years five through nine, Huss? And hey, there may be a scenario where if the cap is rising the way that it's being projected to beyond, not next season, but in the years beyond 2024, hey, maybe 10 million is not as much as it sounds like right now. But right now, that's a 70 million is a big commitment, no matter who you're getting and no matter what age they are currently at. So it's a complicated scenario. And then, even if the Jets were willing, Andrew, to go to 60 or 70 million, is the goaltender willing to sign on the dotted line because he believes? in the direction or does he just think i'm going to get my 60 to 70 million wherever i want so i will choose to go wherever i want and maybe in the meantime i'll go somewhere as a one-year mercenary try to get a ring and then set myself up for the rest of my life and go where i want to be going in my you know early to late 30s 
with what will be a you know young family. So that that's the broader question that we also don't know about. And the last hint we got from Connor Hellebuck certainly wouldn't have suggested that was the way he was leaning. Yeah, well, no, that's true. The one thing I will say, and we've certainly seen this from the world of golf this year, yeah. this week, yes. money changes everything. And I have been of the opinion that if the Winnipeg Jets plopped a contract down that was eight figures a year to Ray Petkow and said, here is the offer, he's earned this, we want to sign him to it, there is a major risk involved in not taking that. And if I'm the agent, my suggestion to my client is, here's a pen. So, you know, that, that, that is certainly a possibility. But again, I mean, we don't even know the willingness of the Jets to go to that point. And then there is a lot of other things. And Hellebuck has been pretty clear about this, as you just mentioned. I mean, he does want a chance to win a Stanley Cup. And, you know, part of it was so much uncertainty about this team as the roster is currently constructed right now with potential moves. I imagine that is a real challenge for Kevin Chevel, they have to get things done. Now, the thing with Dubois or uh, Hellebuck is, excuse me, is he is signed for next year. So, I mean, there's not the same type of urgency and the same thing for Shifley as there is for Dubois. But as we've seen before, I mean, most of these trades often include some sort of draft capital. So, the likelihood of if these deals are happening probably happens while well, heading into the week in Nashville or while uh, the entire hockey world is gathered there for the draft. For sure, Huss. And I mean, that's the thing that we've talked about. You know, the Jets have been out for, you know, six weeks now. So it seems like we haven't had a whole lot to talk about before the latest uh, Dubois drama as we've been penning it. Um, in the, the week after the Stanley Cup final is where things are going to be heating up, whether that's, you know, Board of Governors meetings and or, you know, sale of the Senators, whatever else. Like there's a lot of business that's going to be getting done. And hey, look around the league. The Columbus Blue Jackets have made two trades to upgrade their defense core in the last week here, Huss. So some people don't have to like the the terms of what's been given up, but they basically went out for a team that was trying to improve their back end. They went out and got two guys that played on the, you know, in top four roles. And today they signed a guy to an eight-year deal in a sign and trade, which is exactly what we've been talking about for guys like Dubois. So it's not like business isn't happening and calls aren't being made. Almost all the GMs are at the combine, Huss. So conversations are happening. Like, if somebody wants Mark Shifley, somebody will have told Kevin Day off this week in Buffalo at the Combine that they're interested. Now, whether or not that leads to a deal or maybe that just plants the seeds to germinate in the next two weeks, only those parties know that for sure. But what we know is that those guys are going to be talking. And that's why the deals got made, you know, with the Philadelphia Flyers and New Jersey Devils with Yarmo Kekalainen, who checks notes is a guy whose job could be in danger after looking for hiring his third or fourth coach here. So um, I would say that I understand that people want this to have happened two months ago, but given the long the length of the list on the to-do list for Kevin Dayoff, I'm thinking that we're going to start seeing things trickle down uh, pretty soon. And you know, based on how some of those dominoes start to fall, you could have have other conversations with players and agents and, you know, potential unhappiness or happiness, depending on how some of those deals turn out. But we expect that the, you talked about it as a crossroads, Huss. These three weeks have the, you know, the, the potential to be transformative for the organization one way or another. And just didn't going back to our conversation about Chandler Stevenson and Carter Verhage, 
like there may be a deal that happens in the next three weeks here where fans are going to give it a who, who's that player. But those those are the types of you know responses or shoulder shrugs that you sh- you saw when Chandler Stevenson was acquired for a fifth round pick, and potentially when Verhage uh, ends up signing somewhere else. So I mean, there's going to be a lot of things in play here. Uh, the Jets ha- are going to draft probably at 17th. I would not be surprised if they try to get back. They want to get at least one more first-round draft pick if they can, whether that's 2023 or 24 remains to be seen. But it's going to be a transformative situation here for the next several weeks for the Jets. And and let's not kid ourselves. They're familiar with the challenges they're being faced with, and they're from, they know how serious it is for them to get this right when it comes to the future of the franchise and where they're going to be situated in the next stretch of time here. I mean, I know we've been talking about, you know, definitions of rebuild and retool. I mean, the Jets are going to have to be competitive and then it's up to the general manager to, to ensure that this team remains competitive. Now, does it mean we're not here suggesting the Jets are going to be a Stanley cup front runner next year, but are they go- we expect them to be a team that is in the race to be in the playoffs now barring something unforeseen in the next couple of weeks and us, I know we talked with the thing we talk about with Hellebuck so much all we've seen is elite level goaltending or somewhere below average and I don't mean with Hellebuck in particular I mean in this 12 year span we've had a lot of there hasn't been a lot of league average or slightly above average there's been exceptional and there's been you know, at par or maybe a little bit below par. So I think that's where, hey, would it be scary for the Jets to be without Connor Hellebuck, their Vesna winning goalie? Of course it is. But how scary do you think it would have been for Vegas to roll through? If I told you this year, Huss, that you would dress five goalies, or sorry, you would play five goalies, and I think Hutchinson was up to back up a couple times. I think they had six different goalies in uniform, and that's not even including the guy who was supposed to be their number one goalie who wasn't available this year. Of course it's scary, but yeah, there but are you know also lot, teams that have, that have scary, had good goaltending. Hustle. A lot more scary for Winnipeg, who has been so reliant on their goaltender for so long, sure. as opposed to a team that's built like Vegas, that is as deep as Vegas, that plays like Vegas. You know what I'm saying? Of course, my man. And, and I'm not suggesting for one second it will be easy for the Jets to try and replace Connor Hellebuck if that's the situation they're presented with. But what I am saying is that what we've seen over the years, there is a little bit of a goalie is voodoo sentiment out there. And some guys go... Like, look at, like, let's just look at pending UFA Tristan Jari for an example. 919, 909, 920, 909. Like, that 10 percentage points in the save percentage is a wide variance. And in one year, he helped push them into the playoffs. And in the next year, this year currently, one of the reasons they didn't make it is because Jari A wasn't as available as often because of injury. And B, his save percentage took a 10% hit. And they ended up losing in the last game of this year to the Chicago Blackhawks, right? So, and that, to me, oh, that's, that's why Hellebuck is such a valuable asset because he's the real deal and he's consistent as anybody in the league. You know what you're getting from Connor Hellebuck, oh, and darn pretty right. much night in and night out. We were before we go, uh, one more back on Dubois. Uh, let's assume that this is going to take a couple weeks, and if they are going to trade him, which in all likelihood they will, it happens closer to the draft. Considering what we've learned about the potential of a sign and trade and all of that, if the cup final ends, you know, on Monday or whenever the, the, the game five is, 
Um, do the, is it almost a fait accompli that the first thing the Winnipeg Jets do is apply for team-elected salary arbitration so as to uh, not allow the potential of a one-year offer sheet? Yeah, I think that that's important. And we know that that's was part of the planning process for Brad Living in the Calgary Flames for sure. Uh, it does give them a little bit of protection, at least in the interim. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's something where, I mean, we know that the threat of the one-year offer sheet to Montreal where the Jets would be, you know, have to take the first and the third if if they took that one-year number at 6.43 or whatever the, the cap ceiling is there. Yeah, that's that's not the return the Jets want. I mean, I, I know that you, you were talking about it with Sean yesterday, and Sean said, well, you can't expect to get that much more. Well, if you're the Jets, you have to have more than that. It, it, that's my personal Especially view. Especially in a draft that happens another year down. I mean, right, exactly. return from Pierre-Luc Dubois is not you know, coming, nothing from it, unless you trade those picks until three or four years. And it certainly doesn't sound like uh, that really is uh, aligned with the uh, – the goals and, and objectives when it comes to making this deal happen. Well, and also too, they want a higher return. They want a player that can help them now, whether that's a guy who is an established player or a guy who, as you've been mentioning, has some team control and maybe might benefit from a, a larger role. So yeah, I mean, that'd be one of the things. And Hey, let's also remember too, with the true, the Truba deal was made on the Monday before the draft. Now that's not to say that the jets will have the deal done the week of the draft in advance this time around. Because of the scenario, they want to be building interest. So if there is actual genuine interest from these five or six other teams, now your steering contest probably goes down to the draft floor. But Kevin Sheveldeff can't afford to overplay his hand. So I would say it, it would be better for him to get it done before round one is about to happen. But at the same time, only he's going to know the nature of the conversations that are happening or whether he thinks they're close or whether he thinks he can apply some pressure and gain some leverage. But yes, I mean, for me, I think it has to get done. I think you, if you're the Jets, you want to get at least two of the deals done before the draft, if not three of the deals done uh, before round one is complete here. But like, there's sometimes some big deals on day two of the draft also. Uh, prior to NHL free agency opening up here. And I don't think the Jets are suddenly going to become this big player that is just throwing money around on July 1st. But I do think that the Jets may have to dig a little bit of deeper into the free agent pool, given what they're going to have to replace. And you know I was banging the drum for Ivan Barbashev uh, before the trade deadline, and I will be doing the same thing. Maybe your best take ever. Well, it might have been my- <laughs> well, and I do think that the Jets, like that's the kind in my head. I'm thinking, well, mm-hmm. look at look at him with Jack Eichel, and imagine Barbashev on a line with Nikolai Ehlers. Whether that's with Vladislav Nemesnikov or some center you bring in if you're the Jets in one of these trades, but that's the kind of player who can help elevate. And he's not just a banger house. He's not just a guy who absolutely smoked. Radko Gudis, but he is a physical guy. He is the guy that knocked out Sam Girard out of the 2022 Stanley Cup playoffs. But he's a guy that also can score. And a lot of people looked at, you know, his career year the year before with St. Louis, and he dropped, I think, whatever it was, 17 this year from in the 30s, and thought, oh, that's just a one-year wonder. Well, when you play him more with high-end skilled players, the production can be there as well. So his contract number is going up. And I mean, you mentioned Elliot and Jeff. I mean, they're mentioning the Chicago Blackhawks. If you're the Blackhawks, why not line up Barbashev beside Connor Bedard, not just for his first season, 
for the first seven or eight seasons of his career, uh, you got a guy that can, and we're not talking like Dave Semenko level of protection, but you are talking about a big, uh, like a big, strong physical guy who also can give you 20 goals. Yeah, he can play. He might, he might give you 30 if he's playing with Bedard, 30 plus. So uh, this is a guy that has really certainly helped his cause, but he was al- always going to get paid in the summer, but he's certainly adding uh, the old, uh, that sound you hear is the cash register, uh, you know, going, <laughs> ringing when it comes Especially down to Especially in such a weak free agent year. And for sure. And, and I will say this, and we've got to run, but I mean, I mentioned this yesterday on the program. I'm not that surprised that Pat Brisson is trying to lock down an eight-year contract extension right now because the free agent market is very different next year. Not to mention there's the, you know, the possibilities that, you know, of an injury or something that doesn't happen this year. I mean, there is a lot of incentive, I think, on their side to secure the bag, if you will, get the deal that they want and have some certainty as to where he's playing for the next little while. Weber, great stuff, man. Have an awesome weekend. You at the game tonight? Yeah, we'll see you there. Should be a, should be a fun opener at uh, IGF. Uh, great, like I know you mentioned with some of the other guys, could be the potential Grey Cup preview on week one, and that, that's always welcome. Uh, we'll uh, look forward to catching you there, man. Thanks again for doing this. Have a great weekend, Huss. Thanks for having me, my man. There is Ken Weeb at Weeb's World, and you can follow his uh, work at sportsnet.ca covering the Winnipeg Jets. We are getting to that Bomber game. Dustin Nielsen standing on deck. Uh, But, folks, if you're heading to the game like Ken and I are, get there early. Princess Auto Tailgate Zone starts or opens at 5.30 p.m., 3.50 pop, 3.50 hot dogs, $5 beers, entertainment. It is the place to be before the game. Of course, in Princess Auto, you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Visit them in-store, Panet Road, Portage Avenue West, or shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. Uh, our friends at Consolidated Supply, and we're going to be out there tonight, Joe and the gang, uh, they're, they're, they're busy, though, this week <clears throat> because right now, Time to get those lawns and properties in order and Consolidated Supply is the leader in irrigation systems and artificial turf if you don't want to have to irrigate anything or maybe put that dream putting green up in the backyard. They're also the exclusive Cub Club car dealer in Manitoba with great deals on both new and used golf carts and have other great options for your property including hot tubs and amazing outdoor kitchen options. And, of course, small engine parts and repair. Pop by and see them at Consolidated Supply. The showroom's open to the public at 1395 Niagara Road East. Or find out more online at cte.ca. The gang at Royals ready for a huge weekend because, folks, it is time for another Royal Sports tent sale. 2,000 pairs of shoes in the tent. Everything at least 50% off. Tons of apparel and equipment and brands such as Vans, Converse, Adidas, New Balance, DVS, Under Armour, On, Puma, DC, and more. It gets going tomorrow at 10 a.m. until 6 o'clock and then runs again on Sunday from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. If you've never been to a Royal Tent Sale, you got to get down there. Incredible stock and amazing deals only at Royal Sports tomorrow, 750 Pemina Highway, for more information on this, new merchandise drops and sale information, follow them on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina. Uh, tonight, pre and post game, 
Why don't you get together with the gang down at your local Boston Pizza? No better place to get together with friends for the big game as well. Always your local BP. Enjoy ice-cold schooners, world-famous BP wings, gourmet pizzas, and the latest from the Boston Pizza feature menu. If you're staying in tonight to watch the game, you can also always order online at bostonpizza.com. And hey, a big shout-out to our friends at Assiniboia Downs. Don't forget, back live racing Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday with post time of 7.30 p.m. If you want to make plans for next week to get into the dining room, make a reservation today, and we'll see you at the track beginning Monday for another great week of live racing out at Assiniboia Downs. All right, 2.45. Keep an eye, gang, if you're here for marbles, keep an eye on the chat, and uh, you can drop in your uh, entries when you see the prompt from Michael Remus. But in the meantime, while we get ready for marbles, let's also get ready for tonight's CFL kickoff here in the peg. The home opener, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers taking on Bo Levi and the Hamilton Tiger Cats. And joining us now is my pal and partner from the lock shop, the man who will call that game tonight on TSN, the one and only Dustin Nielsen. You got the CFL hat on right now. You're downtown at the Delta, ready to call a football game tonight or what? Huge fan of the league, Huss. Huge no, fan I, of the league. I was actually mistaken on the plane yesterday because I also have like a shirt with the same logo and I was wearing both. I was mistaken on the plane yesterday for an official. I sit down, the guy sits down next to me and goes, I'm assuming you're a referee. And I was just like, no, I I do play by play. I just love the league. He's like, all right. So that yeah, was good. I'm excited. It should be a good one. Um, you know, you were here last week for that steamy preseason game against the uh, Riders, but uh, this is the one that counts. And man, we're going to have an incredible crowd tonight uh, in excess of 30,000 expected. And I mean, a perfect night. And what a matchup we've got for uh, for kickoff here in the peg. Yeah, I mean, first of all, I always joke on my radio show that my wheelhouse is like 20 to 24 degrees. And a kickoff tonight, that's right in my wheelhouse. So I'm going to be in peak form tonight for the broadcast. So that should be fun. But yeah, yeah like, look, it's the, it's the game of the week. I mean, I don't think you can describe it any other way. You've got the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, you know, looking to get back after a heartbreaking loss in the Grey Cup last year to take away the three-beat um, against Bo Levi Mitchell, who's not just going to Hamilton to try to salvage his career. He's going to Hamilton to try to build another legacy, as he said. So he's going in there with a the mindset of being there for quite some time and having some success. And uh, you know, I chatted with him earlier in the week, and he's pretty excited about what they've got going on there. We're very excited to join that uh, great coaching staff that they've got in Hamilton. And, uh, you know, they brought a bunch of other significant pieces with them. Duke Williams, James Butler, a bunch of starters on the defensive side of the ball. So the Hamilton Tiger Cats should still be very good, just might be good in a different way maybe. And we'll get our first look at it tonight. Well, and, and, and you know, and we hit this on the lock shop a little earlier, but um, Bo Levi loves the stage. He knows that all eyes are going to be on him in his new uniform and his new home. Um, you know, you've got a really tough matchup going in and playing against the, you know, beasts of the West and the Bombers. Oh, and the guy that took his job stunk last night in the CFL opener. I mean, what do you make of this opportunity for Bo to not only get off to a great start with the Ticats, but maybe remind some people out in Calgary that uh, he ain't done yet? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see the reaction from Stamps fans if Bo Levi goes out tonight and throws for... 300 yards and three touchdowns, which would be insanely difficult to do against the Bombers at IG Field, but it would be quite the story. Like, Bo still has time left, something along those lines. But, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see Bo Levi Mitchell in a different uniform. And then the entire time in the Canadian Football League, he's been the guy for the Calgary Stampeders. And when we talked to him earlier in the week, we were discussing, you know, I asked him when, when, 
Jake took over for him. Did both think that he'd still be the guy in free agency, right? Like the buzz was what's going to happen with Bo Levi Mitchell. What's going to happen with Bo. And then the Ticats trade for his rights and get a deal done. And, uh, you know, he, he said, you know, he usually remained pretty confident, but what he thought really helped him kind of continue on here into Hamilton was the fact that he got in, in the fourth quarter of that playoff game and actually did some really good things for the Calgary Stampeders. And people started thinking, okay, well, Bo still got some game left. Maybe it was more of a plan of getting to Jake Mayer than Bo being washed. So he's got a chip on his shoulder. I think Bo Levi Mitchell will be one of those guys that operates extremely well when they have a chip on their shoulder. So uh, Bombers defense is going to have to be ready tonight because I do think uh, I do think Bo Levi will be ready to go and uh, have the spotlight on his new team on Friday Night Football. Now, uh, I'll, I'll pull the curtain back a little bit. Uh, you, of course, is the, uh, you know, doing all these play-by-play games, do have the opportunity for some one-on-one calls with coaches and players throughout the week getting ready for the game. Um, what were your conversations with Mike O'Shea and the rest of the Bombers like going into another season? Uh, it must have seemed probably very similar to conversations you've had over the last few years because this team and the storylines around it pretty much haven't changed. Yeah, I was I was just going to say steady as it goes. It's pretty much the same conversation every week for the last four years, really. Um, oh, he's pretty relaxed. I think he's, he knows that they're in a they're in a pretty good spot right now. Um, you know, it was a tough offseason for the organization, considering how good they were last year and and how they ended up losing that game. One of the things we'll probably talk a little bit on the broadcast tonight was, um, you know, overall, he just didn't think they were physical enough in the great cup last year, like kind of lost their identity a little bit in that game, which led to the Argos having some, some doors opened up for them. But, uh, you know, I, I asked Zach earlier in the week about, do they realize how, how great of team they've built when you're in it, right? You're going to look back a few years later, but Huss, like, let's, let's think about it. I mean, outside of like the golden state warriors as a super team and losing in the second matchup of those four and then coming back and winning two more it's very very rare first of all a team to go back to back let alone then lose the third one uh and i think at that point most of the most people would be like ah good run you know championship caliber team finally let it slip away but that's not what it is with winnipeg they've come back to the great cup favorite again they're probably everybody's great cup pick or a lot of people's great cup picks so i mean this is full-blown dynasty here and when it's a full-blown dynasty the drama and conversations around the team just really isn't there. I mean, even without Kenny Lawler, who steps up? Carlton Agadosi, what's his story? He's been very patient, waiting for an opportunity, and when he's had the opportunities, he's made the most of them, right? They, the only other significant change they make was in the kicking game, and they bring back a guy who won a great cup with them. So, I mean, there's just not many franchises in North American professional sports that can operate at the level that the Winnipeg Blue Bombers do, and it's such an advantage over everyone else. Yeah, the uh, kicking game is interesting. I mean, of course, Castillo, and I mean, in our chat, I mean, there weren't really many big storylines about the Bombers other than getting back together and getting after it and trying to, you know, be a couple points better in the big game, except the kicking game. And there was a lot of folks that, you know, didn't quite have the confidence in Mark Leggio. And I think it was pretty clear that I think the organization was in that boat as well. Uh, but you bring in Castillo, and I guess we got an Aussie punter now as well. I mean, the special teams between the luchador and the Aussie rules football guy, um, give you some interesting topics to talk about on third down. That's for sure. Yeah, they they, they certainly will. And, you know, it, it couldn't have been an easy conversation for Osh to have to cut Legio after you know being a part of it and, you know, ups and downs. I think people in Winnipeg would probably describe Legio's time with the team, but uh, you know, they it was time to move on. I mean, if you're looking at one possible weakness on the Bombers last year, it 
probably would have been their kicking game in some clutch moments. So I understand where they're coming from there. Castillo should be steady. He's such a fascinating story. This is the seventh straight year he's been on a different team. Like he's on a different team every single year for seven straight years. And then I am kind of interested in all these punters that are kind of like the global guys. You know, they they play extremely well in NCAA and they're not going to get that crack in the NFL. And there's this global spot here in Canada. So they're certainly taking advantage of it. The, uh, the guy on the other side I was reading last night, um, Bailey Flint is the punter on the other side. He's an Australian. And uh, he's he's released an album on the ukulele. Like the guys recorded like 40 ukulele tracks and released a five song EP. So these guys are providing great stories. And uh, by all accounts, man, people think people say this Jamison Sheen guy, he can kick the ball like a tongue of hang time on his kick. So it'll be pretty interesting to see. When I asked Osh about it earlier in the week, he said, you know, these were the guys who were the two best kickers in camp. It's like, they had a bunch of kickers there, right? He said the numbers backed up what our eyes were seeing. And uh, I think it was one of the guys said that, she inputs the punt where it needs to be every single time. So a kicking maybe not an issue for the Bombers moving forward. Well, he's also a former Aussie Rules football player. I want to see if he's able to blow anybody up, you know, oh, get in good. on the instead tackles. Of, instead of the classic, like, dive and trip tackle that a lot of kickers do, like full-blown, like, just blow them up. Uh, well, listen, we've got a, a hell of a scene tonight. Uh, the crowd's going to be wild. You can get there. Princess Auto Tailgate Zone opens up at 5.30 p.m. We'll have kickoff. At IG Field and coast to coast on TSN at 7:30. I know the players will be ready, the coaches will be ready, the fans will be ready. Will the play-by-play team be ready? And I think we know the answer to that. I'm always ready. I'll call the game right now, anytime, anywhere. Um, are you going to get one of those hot dogs tonight, Hussey? You bringing 45 bucks to the game? Well, it, yeah, okay, it's funny you bring that up because Remus and I were talking about her on the show a couple days ago, and people were putting us to, uh, you know, to tag team one of these things. <laughs> And immediately, trap that thing. Immediately, the, the super the super chat started coming into YouTube, and I think people immediately donated like fifty bucks. So <laughs> we pretty much owe the people a hot dog. Now it might not happen tonight, but maybe the next game or before. And we're gonna go in there. We'll break it down. We'll do a nice little video. We'll put it up, and everyone knows you can have the greatest sports take, the most incredible insight. You can put a video out there on the internet, and a bunch of people will watch it. You eat a hot dog or make some sort of food take and watch the numbers skyrocket. So um, I roll. That's yeah. so cool. I roll. <laughs> exactly. Hey, the, we all remember the poutine, the poutine dog review at the Jays game that I did earlier this year. The only way to top it is with the yard dog, 32 inches <laughs> of hot dog. And that picture of, uh, was it Jamarcus Hardrick with the big Hardrick. hat? And Hardrick's a huge. Dude, that's like, my God, that's a big hot dog because Hardrick's a giant. Have you caught one of those big hats yet? You know, the, the no, I can't, really I can't do hats? it unless, unless it comes with just a CFL logo. I want nothing to do with it. You know, it'd look great in one of those big hats. LTE. He could pull that off. I'm going to get Eric. Really yeah. good. What's his team? The Mariners or, uh, well, I yeah, guess he's Mar- a rider Mar- guy. Mariners. Too. He likes Marlins hats. Anything that's got color in it. He likes it. So. <laughs> Dusty, listen, great to have you on the program, man. Um, we, uh, of course, by the way, folks, if you're not already subscribed, get on over to at Lock Shop Bets on YouTube and follow all of our uh, betting content. We made picks for all the games tonight and the weekend. 
all there for you and uh, cranking out four or five episodes a week. Just quickly on the way out, I know our focus is on tonight. Uh, the team in Edmonton needs a win really bad. Just give us a quick idea about the situation, the mood in Edmonton, and the pressure on this team and Chris Jones to get a damn win, exit that narrative, and uh, get off to a great start this season. I I don't want to blow it up too much, but a win on Sunday against the Riders may be the most important regular season win in franchise history. <laughs> and it's it's but it's the truth. Like they're they're get they're hoping to get a crowd out. It looks like they're gonna get a crowd out. It's a five o'clock off kickoff on Sunday for the home opener. The riders are in town, so you're gonna get that riders bump. Uh, you bring in Geno Lewis, who's number two on the CFL TSN top 50. You got these other two young guys and Mitchell and Brown, who also made that list. They brought in Dunbar, uh, Chris Jones defense. It wasn't technically in my mind a Chris Jones defense last year. They were awful. Um, but, you know, if he's able to do that this year defensively and they can put together a win, um, maybe maybe the tide starts to turn a little bit for the Elks in Edmonton. And uh, they've never won at home as the Edmonton Elks. Mm. So if they do it on Sunday, it'll go a long way. I knew you were fired up when I saw your uh, Twitter video earlier, just pacing around downtown Winnipeg, just, talking about walking the around game. all morning, <laughs> talking about the game. Seven thirty can't come soon enough. Uh, thanks for doing this. Have a great call tonight, and all the best this season. And uh, we'll see you tonight at a packed IG Field to get it on with the Bombers and Tie Cats. Can't wait. Thanks for having me, buddy. All right, good stuff with Dusty. What a night for football here in the Peg. Bombers and Tie Cats tonight. Not just a great night for football, but a great night for baseball as well. Winnipeg Gold Eyes finishing off the sweep yesterday and now welcoming in Kansas City for the weekend. Tonight, tomorrow night, Sunday afternoon. It's looking like it's going to be a great weekend for baseball as well. So get on out. You can check out goldeyes.com for tickets. And while you're at the Gold Eye game, you will also be able to enjoy not only 1919. But some other great little little brown jug faves, including our favorite, the generic lager, which has been such a, a popular launch, which we got to try first time down when we did the uh, sports trivia night at Little Brown Jug a month or two ago. Uh, but Little Brown Jug is also so fired up to be official partners with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, and you'll be able to get your hands on Winnipeg's favorite local beer, 1919 tonight. At IG Field, if you're looking for 1919, you got to pick it up at the Poutinery locations or the hometown concession stands. There's a number of spots on both sides in the lower bowl as well as the upper bowl. So if you want to get the great local flavor of Little Brown Jug, it's available for you tonight. And of course, you can check them out on the weekend at the brewery and tap room. And you can always order online at littlebrownjug.ca. And, uh, man, it's a great day for football and baseball. It's a hell of a great time for fishing as well. Our friends at Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge are busy, busy right now, welcoming guests. They're over 90% booked for this year, but there still is some availability. Find out more at AikensLake.com on the world-class fishing and even the more world-class hospitality of the great people on the Aikens team. You can also hit them up for more information on Twitter at AikensLake. Uh, all right, Remo, uh, let's, uh, well, we got to do some cool bet lines, but I'm not sure if you want to do a last call for marbles right now. Um, and we can start getting ready for a little marble race to finish off today's uh, Friday action. 
Getting ready, getting ready. Uh, we got uh, like 190 plus names in right now. So if you are in, please make sure you're subscribed. You'll get all the latest WSC content on your feed. Hit the thumbs up. Tell YouTube we're putting out some good stuff here. And maybe it'll show it to more people. A lot, a lot of people in here today. 400 plus was a bit slower earlier in the week. But this Dubois news hustler bringing everyone out of the woodwork. Everyone who's been sleeping since the, the jet season ended. And we, you know, this kind of normally, you know, this would be like a top story here, but this is kind of just like, yeah, okay, tell me about something I don't know. Frank Zervalli updating his trade board. You know, you mentioned it with Ken, but a lot of people in chat uh, wanting us to mention because we love trade boards here. <laughs> uh, he used Carlson number one before. Now Dubois is number one. Hellebuck number two, as you said this, trade fleet four. Uh, and what's his, uh, Carlson is down to seven. There's, this is our favorite type of entry. One St. Louis Blues defenseman at number 13. And the blue, also the Blues' first-round picks are on there. They have multiple. Blake Wheeler's at 22. So that's our trade, current trade board you know update. I mean, maybe it was just Jets fatigue because there's so many other Jets on the list, but I think you could also add one or two Winnipeg Jets defensemen as well because mm -hmm. you know, for all our talk about the two centers and the Vezden Trophy winning goaltender... The Jets still have a really crowded blue line and are need to going to need to figure out how that's going to work with Declan Chisholm and Billy Hanela not being waivers exempt for next season. So uh, certainly going to give us a lot, of a lot to talk about next week. And of course, really the next two weeks heading into our big week in Nashville. Uh, the Winnipeg Sports Talk will be live in Nashville all week long for the NHL draft beginning on Monday, presented by our great partners over at CoolBet. And speaking of CoolBet, let's get to the lines before we get to the marbles. Remo, you can uh, you can uh, close up the marbles if you'd like. I think everyone's had a good chance to put in exclamation mark marbles and get in. Um, what do we have tonight? We got a game in the Canadian Football League and the Bombers at home hosting Bo Levi and the Hamilton Tiger Cats are four and a half point favorites tonight. And the total's actually gone down. 46 and a half right now is the total uh, for the over-under wagers tonight. If you just want to bet the Bombers to win, minus 192 on the money line, and the Hamilton Tiger Cats are plus 165. Other games in the Canadian Football League this week, tomorrow, Montreal and Ottawa going at it in Montreal. Alouettes, two-and-a-half-point home favorites as they take on Bobby Dice in his, uh, I guess, official permanent head coaching debut of the Ottawa Red Blacks. And then on Sunday, Elks and Riders going at it in Edmonton. We just talked about that game with Dusty. Man, does Edmonton need a win. Uh, they started out as two-and-a-half-point underdogs. They're now two-point favorites in this game. And Edmonton, minus 135 on the money line. Riders, plus 112. Uh, as far as the... NBA playoffs go tonight. The Denver Nuggets are three and a half point favorites in Miami and minus 154 on the money line to take a three to one lead. And tomorrow we've got game four between the Vegas Golden Knights and the Florida Panthers and the line pretty much identical to last night. Florida minus 120 on the money line and Vegas plus 102. Get on over to coolbet.com if you want to sprinkle on any of the uh, events that we've just talked about. Of course, they've also got French Open odds, so lacrosse, UFC 289 this weekend, um, and be sure to check out the exclusives as well. Speaking of the exclusives, I got to give a shout-out 
to our guy Aaron Cockrell because that WST special where we had Adam Hadwin, Taylor Pendrith, and Winnipeg's Aaron Cockrell all to make the cut. Looks like that one is coming in because the cut line, oh, the cut line now is actually moved to minus one, so this could get tricky. We cannot cash those tickets just yet. Hopefully a couple guys may fall back a little bit, and uh, the guys at even, including Aaron Cockrell, will make it through. Uh, the cut sweat is on at the Canadian Open. Again, big thanks to CoolBet for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. And, of course, our week in Nashville, which should be a huge week for Winnipeg Sports Talk and the Winnipeg Jets. Um, all right, Reem. Uh, who else are we going to add to uh, add to the list today? I think we got to give Dusty a marble for coming on. I think we should give Arpon a, uh, Arpon a, a marble yes. for joining us today and, of course, dropping the uh, news yesterday in The Athletic. And, heck, we should probably give Pat Brisson a marble as well. Maybe there'll be good karma to help him necessitate a trade that actually uh, works out for both sides as opposed to screwing the Winnipeg Jets. Yes, exactly. Pat Brisson definitely gets a marble. Maybe we'll run into him at the draft, Hustler. That would be, I think I'd be starstruck if I saw him there. Should we get Dubois drama T-shirts made up for the draft? Go and, well, I'm, I'm go worried. And meet that, meet Pat Brisson. I'm worried that um, first of all, that logo would look great on a hat or a mug or anything. I'm worried that it's gonna like he could get traded like any day. Like he's traded, then it expires. The the thing. I mean, so, listen, a custom a custom WST Dubois drama shirt will have would just be great to have for a long time. We'll always have the memories of both what he did on the ice. What he didn't do on the ice at times, and the drama, and what he gave to us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Oh, by the way, quick shout out. I see Ezzy's in chat. What up, Ez? Uh, shout out to the IC guys, Dylan Sandberg, Slamberg himself, jumping on with uh, the IC boys tomorrow night. So uh, make that a part of your Saturday morning routine. I know Paul Edmonds is going to jump on with the guys too, and I think 10 30 a.m. tomorrow. Uh, the uh, 10 30 tomorrow. Ezzy and the guys will have Slamberg on. Uh, should be a great interview. Oh, and thank you very much, MC Stormy. We absolutely have to put the Iron Sheik in for a marble today, Reem. Iron Sheik is in. Perfect, perfect. All right. Uh, well, I guess without further ado, let's get this on because uh, we got some tailgating to do and a football game to get to tonight. Um, we ready to uh, get going with a little Tristan Rivers music to start off the festivities? I will get ready. I'm just putting together the list here. We got over just over 200 names. What's the date today? June 9. Oh man, it is. Where did the time fly by, Hessler? I thought it was still January. Yeah, well, it's because it's because well, it's definitely not January. Summer's over. It feels like <clears throat> summer's basically over now, right? Well, summer is in full swing right now. Um, but the thing was that we only had like four days of spring. Like we went winter lasted forever. March and April sucked. And by the time we got into the first week of May, basically we were uh, crushing it. I mean, the weather has been so great as of late. I and mean, we talked to Andrew Collier. I mean, they've never had a training camp as nice as they had this year. Uh, it's all good. And uh, as far as tonight, just while you get that ready, for folks that are going to the game, wondering what the uh, weather is going to be like for tonight, uh, we've just had a severe thunderstorm watch ended for the city. It's 26 degrees right now, a little breezy. Uh, and at kickoff, we should be around 23, 22 degrees. So uh, 
Not too hot, not too cool. Absolutely perfect tonight to get this CFL season going here in Winnipeg. Sounds like it's going to be a great night. And also, you know, we should mention you can watch the Bombers on TSN. Maybe you got another TV or you got an iPad TSN plus the Sea Bears against their rivals, natural rivals in Saskatchewan. Yes. The Rattlers, Sea Bears look to have it going before they return home um, Monday for their first second home game. Ooh. So, yeah, well, we'll see- definitely hit that on Monday as well. And now uh, looking forward to getting back out to uh we didn't we didn't figure out a name to call Canada Life Center when the Sea Bears are playing. What do polar bears live in? They don't live in igloos. The den? They live in I don't Polar bear den? Is that what it is? Polar den? Or something like that. The igloo? Knows. <laughs> There's only uh, one yeah. igloo and it's in it's in Pittsburgh to me. Yes. R.I.P. What a great building that was. All right, well, let's uh, fire it up with Tristan Rivers and then get ready to drop some marbles and officially start the weekend here on WST. Right on. The OG classic from Tristan Rivers Music and that loving all the uh, <laughs> loving all the suggestions. I like Tico Napoli, the Tundra Dome. That one actually sounds good. See a bunch of people saying the Ice Cave. Well, the Ice Cave is, I guess it's taken right now, but based on what we're hearing, it could be available again for next season. Probably hopefully get a little bit of clarity on what's going on with the Winnipeg Ice next week. Obviously, there needs to be an announcement one way or the other on that as to what the future of the team is. But a lot of speculation that the ice may be on the move. Nevertheless, let's get to some marbles right now. Reem, uh, we've got 207 in there. Uh, Bongo Boogie, is that a new one? Have we ever done that one? Bongo Boogie, that's a short one. I might be too short. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know. It's too short. We want something longer, like Mountain Mingle. No, I think we tried that one last time and you didn't like it. Okay. Okay. We got. Mm, Coils of Power is a good one. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a nice lengthy one. What have we done? MC Stormy and Chad is keeping track of. Um, keeping track of the winners and the tracks uh, on our Discord. He posted it. Oh, beautiful. Way to be, Stormy. Let me see what. He had like our last couple. I thought I pinned it. I don't know where it is. Anyway. We've been doing a lot of Temple of Steve. Like we, we do kind of the rotation, Temple of Steve and whatever else. But here, I'll do what did I click here? I just clicked one. Uh you clicked, I think coils, the coils of power. Should we do the coils? We did the coils yeah, but... two weeks ago, he says. Oh, okay, okay. Then let's not do that one. He said, I like Shattered Dreams. That's a good one. Shout out Gold Dust. What about the Factory 2? Yeah, that's a good one. I'll do the Factory. We haven't done that one for a while. Let's do the Factory. 
All right, gang. Shout out to uh, all of our uh, recent winners. And a big thanks to Shipham and Associates for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk with the hoodies. Uh, I think BA is actually going to come by right after the show to pick up his that he won last week. So congratulations to him, everyone. All right, we are now getting ready. Marble fabrication. This is the Factory 2. Over 200 marbles in on a Friday afternoon bomber kickoff day on Winnipeg Sports Talk. We've talked a lot of hockey. We've talked Dubois drama. We've talked bombers. There's only one thing to do before this weekend is officially on, and that is drop the marbles here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Let her go, Reem. All right. I do like the uh, the start to the uh, the factory. Oh, Dusty with a nice start. Trevor Red Ranger. There's Mel. James looking good with a uh, with a nice start. Man, if Dusty or the Iron Sheik could possibly pull this one out today, that would be that would be legendary. Trevor Red Ranger with a nice start. There's Mary Jane and Eric W. The first three out of the first level of the factory. Oh, this one into a quick funnel. And now down into a transition. Trevor Red Ranger with the lead. Mary Jane and Eric right there with them. Let's see who makes it out of this next area and portion of it first. Uh, Doug Phil with the move. Peg City Cade looking pretty good. Now we're into another funnel. And moving on in. You know what? This is one of the best ones, actually. This is uh, an elite. Move it up just a bit, Reem, so we can see who's... Uh, there we go. Oh, this is anyone's race right now. It is so, so packed. But Pat Brisson is in first. Pat Brisson leading the way right now. Who would have thunk it? All right, who's coming out of here first? We got Rob Mahoney, Sean, Derek, Eric W. On this conveyor belt, getting around to the next area. Of the factory too. Rob Mahoney is in first. Can Rob hold on? Does not have much of a lead right now. And we're about to go into the superheating portion of the factory. See what happens here. Rob's getting pushed around a little bit. Rob, very nice transition through there. We've got a, okay, now, oh, this is going to come right down to the end. Rob Mahoney, Derek Schmidt. Oh, Rob Mahoney! Over the top rope, Derek Schmidt, Gregory Liverpool over the top rope. Derek Schmidt, everyone else is getting busted. Is Derek going to be the guy that makes it into the funnel first? Oh, and there it is. Derek Schmidt with the win. Barely over Sean Clark, Peg City Dude, Stem, Jano, Val George, Krugs. Dan Jets fan, Eric W., and the missing monk. Uh, there were some very late eliminations there, Remo, of a couple marbles that were very much in contention. I thought Rob Mahoney was going to take it, but we've talked about baby swag on this show. This is ultimate baby swag. Derek Schmidt uh, having a child earlier this week. That's right. I forgot about <laughs> that. First Montour last night. And now Derek Schmidt today. We don't have any baby sizes, unfortunately, Derek. 
Uh, that being said, we'll get you uh, we'll get you hooked up. Congratulations on that. Looking to see the rest of these. Oh, there's my guy Mike Wynn. See you at the game tonight, Mike. And Pat Brisson. I don't know what the heck happened to Pat, but Pat took his sweet time at the end and just made it in right now. Uh, who's still to come? Uh, MC Stormy. There's Michael Pruden. <laughs> Will Stockley. Will Sutton. Jay Vince. Will's ready for a big weekend at the ballpark for sure. Top drawer customer service team and ticket crew. Will's in. Rick Stockley just behind the fire. Derek Schmidt, the new dad. Well done. Baby swag undefeated. Saw it last night in the cup final. And now today in the Winnipeg Sports Talk Marble Race. Uh, We'll pull up the final results just in case any of you are betting against your friends. You can all see where you finished. Ooh, Tristan Rivers Music with an 11th place spot. Uh, Paul Carr at 16. Larry TSG in a top 20 performance. Jason Jett. Shout out Jason Jett, one of our all-time leaders in our Winnipeg Sports Talk DraftKings. Brant Batters. Brant's had some good runs lately with the uh, with good performances. Uh, Bozeman. There's Shorn. And shout out to Shorn, who uh, bought, a, uh, bought a hat on the uh, site lately. Uh, if you're looking for hats, of course, we do have some at Royal. If you're popping by the tent sale tomorrow, check them out inside. Uh, but you can also go to winnipegsportstalk.com. Click on store. Uh, we've got snapbacks, we've got dad hats, and I believe we do have a few left of the uh, bomber one where it's the WST logo in blue and gold. Got a lot of comments on that one at the game last week. Uh, continuing through, Trevor Red Ranger finished 64th after that big early lead. My guy Todd Fertani. <laughs> saw Todd at the wood last night. What's up, Todd? Uh, the Gitch, 80th. Not bad. Gitch, you going to the game tonight? Hit me up. Iron Sheik, 94th, the legend. What a moment that would have been. Our pal Rob Kane's in there in the top 100. As we keep going down, Colorado lows. Mean Gene, Mean Gene Okerland, 116th. Mean Gene's, uh, like everyone, very upset with, uh, you know, the combination of Mean Gene and the Iron Sheik was absolute magic every time they got in front of a, uh, a camera. Mike Wynn, our buddy Bravo Bry. What up, Bry? Jeff Bose, Chaster, iHeart Gaming at the end, Kibbins, Yin Vivian, Connor Spratt, and right down to Rick Stockley. And then everyone that got bounced. Oh, Roscoe. This is a, is a big, big win for Shorn today in that head to head matchup between those two. Uh, there's everyone else that didn't make it in. Well, what a week it's been. Certainly uh, picked up over the last couple of days as uh, season two of du- du- Dubois drama got fully officially underway, Reem. And you know, we've got a couple more weeks to follow all these stories, get the bomber season going, and then uh, two weeks from now, we'll uh, be getting ready to get down to Nashville to begin that full week of shows from the NHL draft brought to you by our friends at Coolbet. I can't wait, but first things first, I can't wait for this football game tonight. I'm feeling good about the Bombers. Yeah, I'm feeling good. Uh, you know, CFL's back, Fantasy's back. Hopefully they get the live stats working for this one, yeah. Hustler. What's, what is this league doing here? They don't have any preseason stats at all on the website, and uh, I was able to figure out how to get them going on, uh, you have to click Game Tracker on their website, but 
I don't know what what's going on over there. You can't. You got, did, did you were you following the DraftKings last night? Was it updating? Um, it was up, during. Yeah, the it was. It was updating. Yeah, it was. Up, it doesn't have like the minutes updating in real time, but they had the stats. So look, we all want to do like you know props and stuff. I don't. Maybe you got the Dalton shown over tonight, and uh, you want to follow along. It's uh, a bit tough on the CFL website. You think that if you're having a league, that's like the first thing you need, Hus. Uh, yeah, working they, stats. They do need to. Yeah, just quickly. Uh, we didn't really touch on this, but yeah, if you do want to get over to Coolbet and just checking out these receiving props tonight, Shown 71 and a half, Dembski 63, Rashid Bailey's 43 and a half, Drew Olatarski's 40, and uh, Duke Williams 58 and a half for the Ticats, and Tim White 73 and a half for Bo Levi Mitchell. And the passing props. Caleros over under 260 yards and Bo Levi Mitchell over 258 and a half. Uh, folks, if you see me at the game, make sure to say hi. Try and get there early. Have a couple before kickoff tonight and uh, have a great weekend. Uh, tonight at IG Field, tomorrow out at the ballpark. Get a little golf in at Breezy Bend. It's going to be a great one. Um, wherever you are, enjoy the game tonight. Have a great weekend and make sure to join us for... Uh, more extended coverage of Dubois drama, the Jets offseason, and a full reaction to the weekend of the Bombers tonight. Seabears, and we'll get ready for the Seabears' second home game on Monday as well. For Michael Remus, I'm Andrew Patterson. Thanks to everyone here. Make sure you hit that red subscribe button if you haven't already. Join us Monday, 1 p.m. for a full wrap of the weekend and the latest happening around the National Hockey League. And uh, maybe we'll see you at the game tonight, folks. Have a great one. See you Monday. Oh my god! Oh! Shut it down! Let's go home! Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.